Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. All right, all right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Compton Politics. This is T25CL.com, Galaxy Talk Radio. Um, This is Lorenzo Elvis Murphy. We are live in effect tonight. We're going to have a powerful show tonight. Um, There's really no name to this because I'm actually being able to interview uh, a real interesting individual from about south side of Chicago, this guy. He's phenomenal. He actually made history. I'm going to read a little bit about him. So I say his name. He, is he established the first interracial law firm in Chicago in the 1960s. Attended Jesse Jackson's very first Operation Push rally meeting in Chicago in 1971. Was Tom Joyner's lawyer in the 1970s. He has been a successful family lawyer for 50 years, divorced child custody. You can talk, you know what I mean? These are the things, you know. Um, he's, a, he's a hell of a guy. And for us to have him on constant politics, uh, it's, it's going to be a pretty exciting show. Um, I actually still, I'm going to have the guy that's running for um, the 8th District in Georgia. Uh, he's going to call in too, so we're going to be able to talk about the things this guy have done over the years. And you and he was talking, you know, his son was telling me, uh, how his father used to take in African-American families back then because he cared for people of color, you know, with no color lines with this guy. You know, we're going to talk about what happened this weekend in Virginia. We're going to talk about some deep stuff. Tonight's going to be a real, real interesting show. So have your ears and your mind open. And if you have anything to say, please come with some, what is that? So there's some real positive uh, words in this because it's, it's a really it was a real heated heated weekend, you know, with them with the racism what was going on across the country, and it's like it's different types of people. Everybody is not against certain people, you know. You got to not judge people by the color of their skin. You have to judge them by their character. Because a lot, you got know, when I watch the news, and I'm just so amazed. I hope everybody do watch the news. And when you watch the news and you see these riots, it is about these Aryan Nation KKK people that's against. They're all nationalities, but for some apparent reason, I don't know if I'm the only one that see this, but there's always Caucasians fighting against Caucasians on the front line. And I mean, it's like, if you really look at the video and you look at the news, I'm saying I know the news is propaganda and stuff, but when they're showing the people fighting and warring against them, I've seen more other white people fighting against them. I mean, like fighting, punching, but I was like, wait a minute. You know, what is that? I mean, so it's different types of levels of um of nationalities in within our they self, just like African American, we have light skin, we have brown skin, and we have dark skin. 
You feel what I'm saying? But I'm speaking on level to where the quality of life, you know. Um, I'm waiting for my guests to call, and I hope they call in, which I know they are. Um, they call me for tomorrow. They'll be early for tomorrow. Like I said, this is Compton Politics. This is T25CL.com, Galaxy Talk Radio. Um, I was doing a little investigation on what was going on in um, Virginia. It just was unbelievable about that guy who drove the car and just killed. Whoever he wanted to kill, he just killed them. And it was everybody from every nationality he was trying to kill. So that means a lot. That says a lot. That says a lot in what society is really uh, up against. It's like, uh, what do you call that? It's just that war of just, it's like a genocide against every race. I mean, it's like they already know. See, it's kind of like this. This is what I feel. And and I hope somebody really just hear what I'm saying. Us, and I'm not trying to do bias or racist. I'm just keeping it real. Now, we have all these distractions now in the world on what's going on with these different nationalities. So it's kind of like you have the same nationalities one with each other. They don't trust each other anymore. You feel what I'm saying? Um and now it's time for African-Americans to step up because now we have an opportunity to fix ourselves because the heat is, is on us, but it's like it's off of us a little bit to where we can kind of straighten our stuff. We, can, we have an opening right now in our, in, our, in our universe that we can just fix some things while it's a distraction. And what I mean by distraction is I mean that there's other things happening to other people. You feel me? Other nationalities that's this directed at. You know, uh, I have talked to some guys in the service, and I asked them about what they feel about Trump. And a lot of those guys that's Caucasian, they don't like Trump because they're middle class. And they and they tell me that reason why they don't like him is because he's more of a he lied to them in the election because he was speaking like if he was going to help. America, people. And when they voted for him, he didn't know that it was a different types of white people. This is what, they, this is what I heard. They, they didn't know it was different types of white people. They didn't know it was another type of white person. That's what I, I mean. It goes real deep. They didn't know there was another type of white person. This is what I'm talking when I talk to them. And I asked them, what did they mean? They said, man, I thought, you know, I work for, I'm the Air Force and I'm fighting for our country, and, and, you know, we white people, so all white people stick together. And he said, I didn't, we and a lot of other individuals out in society didn't know that they was rated as a different type of Caucasian. You feel what I'm saying? And it goes deep. And, and when he said I said, what do you mean? He said, because I'm middle class. And I was like, okay. I said, well, what other class do you have? He said, there's white trash. Excuse me for saying that. If that's like saying the N word, I apologize. But this is what I'm saying. I'm just speaking out what I heard. This kind of politics. And I'm going to tell the truth and only the truth. And and um, he said, and it's rich. It's the rich. 
And I said, wow. I said, so what are you? He said, well, look like the, uh, he said, well, I was middle class. He said, but look like the Trump. I'm white trash. I said, damn. Well, I said, but you're in the service. He said, I don't care. He said, he lied to a lot of people in white society, in Caucasian society. I'm like, dude, are you serious? He said, now, this is, this is, dude is very intelligent. You know, we always talk, you know, sometimes you have to just be as open to get the truth. So I would be open. So when he was saying like, well, just like we already know what they do to y'all. You already know what they, you already know that prison is this and that and all that. We know, but we didn't think that it was going to happen to us. And I was like, wow. So it goes along with all that. So it's a lot of people affected on what's going on. You feel what I'm saying? Half the world believe in God, half the world believe in the devil. Let's just keep it real. Like I said, this is Politics. This is Lorenzo Elvis Murphy. This is T25CL.com, Galaxy Talk Radio. Uh, I have actually one of the guests that, you know, he's like a, the um, the co-guest, if you don't mind me saying that, because I'm waiting on the other guest to call that we're going to start from. But since he's on the line, we can talk about uh, he has a great movement going on. Uh, it's so political. I want I would like for us to come together on the West Coast and start what we need to do on this side of town for what he's doing and what he has started. He started a new political party, not Republican, not Democrat, but it's called Brown Party. And I'm going to let him explain what he's doing. Like I said, he's running for the eighth district up in Georgia. I can't really pronounce that city. I'm not going to mess it up like that. (laughs) Um, but I'll let him talk, you know, until the next guest come in. We're going to always elaborate. We're going to elaborate to all, you know, we're going to have a good night tonight, y'all. And he's actually running in a city to where I don't think they had any. We might be the second African-American man that, that's running out there, but he's so young. And an articulate thing about what he's going through is he's not from that city. You feel And he's not from that state. So, and that's making history, too. So I'm going to let him speak. Go ahead, my brother. How are you? Uh- I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on again. For sure, for sure. You know, could you tell the people about the Brown Party that you have going on? You know, I want the West Coast to pick this up. It's for the people. It's for all people. You know, it gives us the power back. You know, election time, we got something going on now. You know what I mean? We have something just uh, all with us. How do you say it? Just for us, all of us. So can you go ahead and uh, that's just John A. Manor. Hi, how are you? Uh, again, as as brother said, my name is John Minor. Many people know me as Archbishop John Minor. I uh, live here in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and I'm running for uh, Fayetteville City Council for District 8. Um, and what we did this year was uh, I didn't want to run as a as a Democrat. I didn't want to run as a Republican. Here's as a Republican. Here's why. Um, I found that both of these major political parties have a tendency to pander to African Americans, minorities, people of color. And when I say people of color, I'm not just talking about uh, African Americans. Of course, I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking about people from different nationalities, Indian, Asian, um, Muslim, all all different nationalities. Um, what we did was we started the Brown Party 
to address issues that were directly facing minorities and people of color because we found that these other major political parties, as I said, were pandering. They were not really uh, pushing for the, the, the only time they seemed to care about what was going on really in the inner cities was around election time. You get about 18 months out from election time, and then you start, um, you know, you you start getting all the the stuff on TV, and you get all the ads and stuff. And so we said, you know what? Uh, we're not going to do Republican. We're not going to run Democrat in this election. But then there's no party out there that really represents minorities and people of color. So we decided to create the Brown Party. And here's what the Brown Party is. The Brown Party is an actual political organization. We are a political party. Now, we are not a political party that, that a presidential candidate could run on at this point because we don't have enough members in the party. You have to have at least 1% of the population registered in that party. Um, uh, and so... What happened is we started this party. Um, as I said, you can't really vote on it nationally, but you can, when you go to your board of elections and you register to vote, you would register as an independent or as an unaffiliated uh, voter and then write in next to that um, that you are Brown Party. Um now here's here's some things that the Brown Party of America stands for. You can find these things out on our website, brownpartyofamerica.org. But the Brown Party was formed to promote the political, social, and economic needs of all minorities and people of color on the national, state, and local levels. So what we were not created to do was to be a racially charged political party. We were, we, a lot of people, when they hear brown party, they think, oh, that's just for African Americans. No, because there's many shades of brown. You know, the, the concept of brown, uh, when you look at people who we call white, they're not really white. If you look at a piece of paper that's white and you put it up against their skin, their skin is not white. Their skin is an off-white. It has some brown in it. Um, and so that's why the brown party is open to everyone, even people who are Caucasian can become a part of the Brown Party. But the Brown Party was established because there was a lack of confidence in the political system. We did not trust the system, again, because of pandering. You know, they say one thing and then they do something else. Someone was saying to me before, um, and, you know, they said, well, you know, Barack Obama was, was an amazing president. And I had to ask the question, of all the policies that Obama put in place, how many of those policies have you benefited from in your local community? These policies won't hit your local streets until 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. For many people, they'll be gone by the time they start to experience these policies going into effect. So the confidence level is gone. People are, if you look at the growing number of voters in this country now are independent. Independent voters are outnumbering Democratic and Republican voters. They're out, outnumbering them, even here in Fayetteville, North Carolina, in my district. Um, Democrats are the highest voting base in my district. After Democrats is the, is the unaffiliated or the independent voters. Um, after that, you have your Republicans. 
So un, unreg, unaffiliated or independent voters make up a large demographic of the voting base in this country, and it's growing. It's growing because people are losing confidence in the major political parties, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, even the Green Party. Um, and so we are a mainstream political party, although we do not have the ability to get on a major ballot as of yet. I myself being a candidate for city council in Fayetteville, I am actually, um, I'm actually the only candidate currently running on a Brown party ticket. And so my victory in November will allow me to, um, It'll be the first candidate to win a political race uh, standing on the principles and uh, as a member of the Brown Party. Let me tell you what the Brown Party is not. The Brown Party is not a political organization motivated by race, although we do fight wholeheartedly for the rights and inclusion of minorities and people of color in the political process. We are not exclusive to minorities and people of color. The Brown Party of America is open to Everyone who believes that all Americans are equal and should have equal inclusion and protection under the law. The Brown Party was not formed on race. It was formed on principle. And so here are the principles that we stand on. And again, you can find this stuff on our website, brownpartyofamerica.org. Grassroots activism. We believe in getting people out there, getting people active and involved in the political system and in the process. I tell people all the time, if you're not involved in the process, you really don't have too much to say. You have to get involved in the process. Vote. Get out there and help people register to vote. Let your voice be heard. Go to your city council meetings. Go to your mayoral meetings. You want to be involved in the process. You want to be involved in that grassroots activism. We stand for things like fiscal accountability. We stand for things like constitutional enforcement. So to enforce all of the, the constitutional rights that we have, but to do them in a nonviolent way. We, we stand on the principles of Dr. King. It doesn't take violence. violence. You cannot solve violence through violence, and you cannot solve hate through hate. You have to go another way. You know, we respect diversity. We're not trying to have everybody to be like us and to be us. This country is great because of its diversity, because people have a right to be free thinkers and to think how they decide to think and and to believe what they you know feel to believe as i'm running in this um election and running this campaign for city council i've come up against a lot of attacks a lot of people my my opponent who I, i've had his supporters call me an uncle tom i've had people attack me and call me ignorant and you know what i say to them that's fine why because you have a right to your opinion I respect your diverse views. I respect your ability to be different from me and to think differently from me. That's what the Brown Party is all about. It's that diversity, because remember what I said earlier, they're different shades of brown. They're different shades of brown. And so because they're different shades of brown, you're going to get different mindsets and different uh, uh, viewpoints. And, and, and that one of the greatest things, Lorenzo, that I've found in this country that makes America so great is our ability to agree to disagree. Because we have the ability to agree to disagree, that makes this nation extremely great. 
you know. So we stand on things like that. We stand on things like fair judicial representation. You know, we want to make sure that we get more African Americans and minorities in uh, on in judicial uh, appointments as judges and district court judges and 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 circuit court judges. We want to get we want to have a, an even balance through the through the judicial system so that we have fair judicial representation, fair political representation. We want to get more minorities and African Americans and people of color to become involved in the political process. Be you know so that. On these local school boards and on these local city council uh, boards and on these local county commission boards and and, 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 and and other elected positions throughout the country, there's a fair representation of not, you know, you don't want it to, everybody to be looking one way. So we want to have fair representation politically. We want community-based economic empowerment. And what is that? What that is is we want to we want to start to empower the people in the communities to become economically sound and strong by putting programs in communities that strengthen the communities economically, that strengthen that help people to grow businesses by by putting resources in those communities in those those hard hit communities across the country that empower them to be able to have access to that to that dream that we all talk about, that American dream that everybody wants to have. We want to give people access to that dream. We want to reduce taxes on the middle class. Sensible immigration reform. Here's the thing with immigration. You know, the Democrats are always fighting. The Republicans are fighting saying build the wall. That's what Trump is saying, build the wall. The Democrats are saying don't build the wall. Here's, here's, here's where sensible immigration reform comes in. I believe that all, and this is what the Brown Party stands for, all immigrants should have a pathway to citizenship, all of them, regardless of where you came from. If you are here doing the right thing, there should be a pathway for you to citizenship. The reason why, and a lot of people might not agree with, with me on this, but that's fine. We have the uh, this awesome thing called agree to disagree. The reason why Democrats don't want a wall built that stops immigrants from coming into this country um, is because if any time you have illegal immigrants in this country, right, you have these illegal immigrants in this country. They're they're here legally. They're working. We all know they're working. They say it all the time they are taking the jobs that um, most Americans won't take. Why? Because most because Americans are citizens. They got unions. They they they're entitled to certain benefits. They're entitled to a certain level of wages and things like that. And they're not going to take those jobs that that don't that don't meet that standard, don't meet the, the minimum American standard, so to speak. But when you have people that come into this country illegally, because they're here illegally, they really can't complain about anything. So they take whatever jobs they can get. And if that's a job paying them $4 an hour, then they have to take that job paying $4 an hour, working 18 hours a day in the blistering hot sun. And they really can't complain. Who are they going to complain to? They're here illegally. That's why illegal illegal immigrants that are here, that's why a lot of times they have rapes that go un, un, unreported because they're afraid that if I report it and it's found out that I'm here illegally, I'm going to be deported and sent back, and I can't risk that, so I'll just keep it to myself. But here's the other thing that illegal immigration does. Illegal immigration allows for, once again, slavery to enter into this country. 
Why do I say that? Because when you when you work 18 hours a day in the blistering hot sun for barely no wages, and what you earn in a year, most people earn in a few months, and you struggle like that, and you hide in the shadows. That's that's that that to me sounds like slavery. So if we allow illegal immigrants to come in, keep don't don't give them a pathway to citizenship. Just let them come in and hide in the shadows. Now we got cheap labor. Now we have in many cases free labor. We can do to them whatever we want to do to them because they really can't speak out and say anything about the situation cuz they're not here legally. They have no voice, they have no rights. So a pathway to citizenship kills that. When you tell people you have to come into the country legally, when you come into this country legally, there are certain inalienable rights that you are entitled to. Now they can't now they have to pay you fair wages. Now they have to give you medical coverage. Now they have to give you FMLA. Now they have to give you the things that Americans many times take for granted. They have to. Wow. And because they because they have to, they don't want to, so they'd rather people come in here illegally because illegal immigrants become slaves to the system. They become slaves wow. because they can't say anything. They can be mistreated by their employers. They can't say anything. Right. They, they, you know, the, the women are raped and 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 abused and assaulted and sexually assaulted on the job and all of these different and they can't say anything because they have no legal rights. So when we think about uh, immigration reform, we have to we 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 have to get people to come here legally, but it must be done sensibly. Here's what here's what what we propose that within the Brown Party, if people are here illegally, doesn't matter where they're from or how long they've been here, even if they've committed a small crime, like running a red light, if they have not done something that makes them detrimental to society, then allow them to, allow them to go through the process of citizenship, and while they're going through that process of citizenship, leave them alone. Let them continue to work. Let them continue to live and to, to be with their families and, and, and enjoy the freedom. They're, they're applying for citizenship, so they obviously want to be here. So, so make that process easier and not harder. We want to encourage people to come to the United States, but we want to encourage them to do it right, and we want to encourage and press upon our political leaders to seek out sensible immigration reform measures. We want things like freedom of religion and religious expression, because what a lot of people don't realize is freedom of religion does not mean you are free to express your religion. You can express your religion inside the walls of your synagogue, your mosque, your temple, and your church. But when you bring those, re those religious expressions outside and those religious expressions go against what someone else believes, now you have yourself a serious problem. Now you run into legal ramifications because uh, uh, people can sue you for your religious and things like that. So freedom of religion, we stand for freedom of religion and religious expression. Not just I don't want to just be free to be a believer in a in a Christian. I want to be free to express my Christianity. 
I want to be free to, to walk out my Christianity in a way that I don't have to fear repercussions because I preach what the Bible says. Because if I preach what the Bible says, in many cases, because it goes against many people's lifestyle, I'm, I'm, I, I, can, I, I, I become guilty of things like hate crimes and, and spewing out hate speech and, and all of these things. No, no, I'm, that's not what it is. I'm expressing the faith that I believe, just like the Muslims. They express the faith that they believe. So we have to not just be free to have and practice religion, but free to express that religion openly. And then we, we stand for things like ecological uh, protection, so, so um, fighting for the earth, making sure that you know, people don't destroy the earth. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the worlds and all they that dwell therein. So this earth belongs to God. It doesn't belong to us. We were sent here and placed here as stewards. So our job was to take care of the earth, to replenish the earth, to tend to the earth, not to destroy it. You know, we want to fight for things like criminal justice reforms, social justice, a strong nation, strong military, respect for law enforcement, and police and civic accountability. You got to hold the police accountable when they step out of line. But we, but we also have to enforce respect for law enforcement. I was watching a video earlier today on Facebook. It was going viral of a young man who was in his vehicle. The police pulled him over because he had headphones in. And right, he had I've seen that. I've seen you know, that. I've seen that. He had the headphones in, and the police is talking to him, and he's just as belligerent as he wanted to be. And I posted on Facebook, based on his attitude and his demeanor, and and the fact that, as he said, he said I, I wasn't being argumentative. No, you have to look up the definition of argumentative. You were being very argumentative, and that circumstance and situation, that that uh, uh, pullover, could have gone so many ways wrong. Because you had all the hand movement, you had all the all the this, and, and you had the becoming, you know, confrontational with the police. And to be honest with you, the police actually stayed calmer than he was. Right. So we have to begin to teach in this country that there's a respect that you have for law enforcement. I see videos on Facebook and YouTube where you got young kids in school hitting security guards and hitting the, the school uh, safety officers and stuff, and then the other kids are streaming it on, on social media and they're laughing about it. And then when the officer turns around and slams the kid to the floor, the parents go into an uproar. Well, there were some things that could have been done to prevent this entire situation from taking place. But because we've come to a place where we want police accountability, but we don't want respect for the police and for law enforcement. So there's become such a disdain in this country for the police and for those who wear that uniform that the respect is not there anymore. And when you lose respect for authority, a lot of times you're going to find yourself in a very precarious situation that really could have been avoided had some things been in place. So these are some things that the Brown Party of America stands for. As I said, we're not just for African Americans or, or Latinas or anything like that. We're for people of color, minorities, and as you said earlier, minorities does include white people or Caucasians, however you want to list them, because there's different classes of them. You got your... Of you got course, your, there are you got different your, classes. Exactly. So they fall in that minority category, too. And so we're fighting for to make sure that their voices and our voices are heard. And what the Brown Party of America does is it's the first political party, the first active mainstream political party 
that was created by us, for us, and and where the leadership looks like us. Because you look at other parties like the Democrats and Republicans and different things. They say they fight for minorities and for the inner cities and they fight for African Americans and for people of color, but they don't look like us. So they're still trying to push to us their ideology of how we should be and what we want, you know, when you constantly push welfare on us. African-Americans, minorities, and people of color, they don't, they don't really want welfare. They want opportunities. They want right, opportunities. Right, right. They, they, want to get, they want to go to work. They want to be able to wake up in the morning and say, you know, I got me a good job. I got me a good career. I got a good education. I live in a nice neighborhood. My kids are safe. They want the same things that other people want, you of know. Course, and so that's what the Brown Party is all about. That's, what, that's why this party was established. And what we need at this point is we need people to go to our website, brownpartyofamerica.org, and register there. Send us your, your you know, you just you go there, you put your email information in there, email and phone number in there, and we'll put you on the list and we'll send out information to show you how to become a part of the Brown Party. If you're looking to start a party in your area, we have material that will allow you to do that, to get a party started in your area um, that will be affiliated with the National uh, Brown Party of America. And uh, we're excited about this movement um, this started out as a campaign movement, and it has really begun to spread across this country. And I say this, um, and then I'll stop talking. The Brown Party is actually, we have people in other countries that are asking about the Brown Party of America. They want us to bring the Brown Party to their country because they they see what it is that we stand for. And and the fact that we are not, as I said, racially motivated, we are just looking for true progress on all levels. And so we have people in different countries that are saying, hey, you know, we, we, we dig that concept. We want to bring that here. How can we do that? And so, you know, we, we're just excited um, that this, for this opportunity to be able to, to stand on the cuff of history and do this. You said that last time I was on that we were making history and, you know, this is this is that history right here. The Brown Party of America is that history. We are doing it not just for in Fayetteville, North Carolina, but we're doing this thing for for minorities and people of color around the world. This thing is, is has moved from being a local movement to a national to an international movement, uh, and it's only growing by the day. Hey, you know what, man? It's so exciting uh, for you to sit here and, and contemplate politics. And T25 was the first uh, uh, network to get this true new movement throughout the world. Like I said, it's a worldwide, it's a worldwide um, movement. It's bigger, it's bigger than a movement. Like it's called the Brown Party, and it's a political movement. It's a political change because a lot of things have happened, and I think we actually a lot of people have been slapped in their face, just like with with the Europeans telling me, the Caucasians telling me how how uh, they was tricked, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Everybody was tricked. It was like everybody all over the country was slaves. All different nationalities were slaves. We, the blacks were slaves last because everybody else was used first. Cause they didn't know that everybody else could not take the sun of the heat. Once they realized mm-hmm. that dark-skinned people, once they realized that dark-skinned people could take the heat, and that's when it turned on us. Then the Portuguese had the, the Spaniards, and the Spaniards had the Portuguese, and everybody that was dark was trying to find out who was the strongest you know, the strongest blacks who can take the sun. And, and mm-hmm. it's just a, 
as far as like we learn about the different uh, nationalities in the car in the European level, like oh, I can't you know white people, uh, tr- white trash, uh, middle class and rich, and this and I never knew that. You know what I mean? Uh, when I was born and I was raised, it was more oh that's who they are. Um, better alone just being raised around this situation, you know, for going to school to the valley. At the same time, I, uh, we would love to try to we would love to start. We ain't gonna try. We're gonna do it. Love to start a brown party on the West Coast. I, I, would, awesome. I mean, I, I, you know what I mean? Because that's so powerful and that makes sense. Like I was telling you before, I actually have a uh, proclamation, and it's, it tends to that right there. If we have to tweak it some more to make it on a world national level proclamation, it's called Empowering People of Color. It's a proclamation I made up, and I think it's more than just Black Lives Matter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm not. I love yeah. that group. I love what they fight for. I love that. But I find out through experience in life, um, there's other people that can help you that want to fight for you. Like the guest I'm going to have on tonight, if you call in, um, this dude is a, a Jewish guy, older guy in 1960s. I mean, he was doing incredible things that the average Caucasian guy wouldn't do for African American people. You know what yeah. I mean? And there's yeah. million millions of more people like this. Like I was speaking at the beginning of my show. When you're watching um, the news and you see this riot going on, you see these people protesting against the racism of, uh, uh, of the certain superior of people, but it's the same people that's fighting against them. There's more people uh, uh, of their own color fighting against them on the front line. And it's like, and if but if we just stop being stereotyped as African Americans, some of us, uh, and any other race, and see who's really sometimes like the guys on Glory, the movie. You know, we knew who broke that barrier on the movie Glory. The brother, they sent their brothers through to break that, to, to take that flag down. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I mean, the real is the real. When you see something, it's the truth. When you see something with your eyes, it be the truth. It's the, what you see for yourself is the truth. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing that you see yeah. in your eyes that's a lie. So when I watch this news, I see more Caucasians fighting Caucasians on these racism marches. So why is it that we can't understand that it is a certain type of people that's down for uh, uh, people of all color? You know what I mean? It's about the principle of the rights of what it's supposed to be, not what it looks like. Because if we keep on looking at what things look like, no law is never going to pass, and then we're going to always get shot. We're going to always uh, go to prison because it's just because of what we look like. And that's what I think the Brown Party, the political party of the Brown Party, will make the dynamic change in all races because it gives you hope again. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to say one thing, on, I'm going to be real derogatory with this because it's the truth. We have, I've been talking, like I said, I've talked to individuals all over about all different types of circuits. I want to bring great projects to T25CL.com, Galaxy Talk Radio, and content politics. I, I asked certain questions, and, and, and I asked a question to an individual, and it was hard for him to answer me. But I asked him, why is it that, how did, why, why did, do you think they picked Trump to be president, really, to be honest with you? And he's just sitting there looking like, because I already knew the answer. I mean, this is just my answer. You, you can, y'all can be the judge of this night on conflict politics. And the question was, do you think that after President Obama, and I'm not talking about, you know, I'm talking about a black man finally becoming president, and the man did two terms eight years in a row. 
beat out whoever ran against him. So that man, this dude really beat out out of eight years and to be president, he beat out a lot of people. You feel what I'm saying? It wasn't just a mm-hmm. runner up. That, it wasn't just a runner up. He ran against that he beat. This guy beat the first round was how many people? Fifteen people. Probably started from fifty people, and they broke it down like the playoffs. So that means he beat out fifty people. Now, when you win the second term as being president, you got another fifty people to try to beat out because it's hard to beat another fifty round of people. So Obama did that. So I'm looking at it like this. I think that it was a slap in the face saying, "Okay, we let we gave you your president for two dec to for two, for two terms. Now we're gonna put whoever we want to put in now because if a black man can be president for two years, Donald Trump can be president for America for us too. And I think they put him in there to mess up our our country so they can come back." Like they did on Watergate, like they did in other times of bad presidents, and they want to fix it back because remember, the United States have plans fifty years ahead of time. They have yeah. plans fifty years ahead of time. They already know what's going on and why it's going on. You know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. so so it boils down to this brown party. What is the real what is the the purpose, really the purpose of this movement, being that now the international people is asking about it. How would you take that? Could you? So I have a question. Do you? Could you have an international combined with a United States party to still vote? Is it some type of way? Because I sometimes I'll be here in the election with somebody in England, somebody else in other countries who are voting. Like, oh, like you know what I mean? Like, uh, what is it? What other countries that vote like in America? Well, you have places like England and and other industrialized uh, nations. They have political, uh, democratically uh, uh, constructed elections. They can't vote in the U.S. election unless they are like a U.S. citizen that's overseas and casting an absentee ballot or or their military and they're stationed overseas and something they can cast their their absentee ballots and stuff. Um, But with them forming Brown Party of America uh, chapters in their local countries, then it then it no longer becomes Brown Party of America for them. So, for example, if we did it in um, uh, Canada, it would no longer be Brown Party of America, it would be Brown Party of Canada. And so then you would have Brown Party International, which would be the parent, company, the parent organization of Brown Party of America, Brown Party uh, of Canada. And so, um, but they wouldn't be able to vote in a U.S. election because you, they're not U.S. citizens, so they don't have voting rights here in this country. Uh, but I will say something, you know, I, and I've been watching the um, the events that have taken place in Charleston, Charlottesville, uh, Virginia, over the last few days, and many people have seen my post on Facebook, and I'm a pretty straight shooter. Um, I, I I don't like to, to you know I don't like the fluff I, I I call a spade a spade. Here's my problem with the incident in Charlottesville. Now and again, hey, hold on, hey, hold people, on, hold on, just a moment. Hold on, I'm not trying to cut you short. Hold on, just give me a second. I have a caller okay. from New York. I don't know if this is the guest. Hold on, I see you calling from New York. Who is this on the line? Oh hi, it's Lisa. Oh, okay, okay. How are you? I just tuned in. I'm good, thanks. Hi, Lorenzo. Just tuned Hello. in, listening in. Um, I can appreciate uh, what the, the caller has been saying. I'm just tuning in, and I want to get some more of this important information. Okay, no problem. Go ahead, sir. 
Okay. And so as we as we and thank you for for tuning in. As we as we look at what's going on in Charlottesville, and I understand I understand wholeheartedly the frustration of people, you know. But here's where the but comes in. The Constitution affords all of us, according to the First Amendment of the Constitution, the First Amendment says that we have the right to peaceful assembly. So if they decided to protest because they wanted to keep a flag on a statue, we understand, for many of us, we understand what that flag means. Many people don't. Uh, they say that it's history. Many people say that it's, it's, a, it, it's rooted in racism and, and, and things like that, and, and that's true. But they have a right to protest if they don't want the flag taken down. They had that right to protest. The issue that I have is, you know, and, and I, I respect Black Lives Matter. I respect uh, what it is that they initially set out to do. Here's where my dilemma comes in. When Black Lives Matter shows up, this weekend in Chicago, this weekend in Chicago alone, there were over 30 shootings, and nine people were killed. Two were found dead on the steps of a church. Wow. I, I didn't see not one Black Lives Matter protest. I didn't see not one Black Lives Matter um, uh, uh, individual out there. I didn't see anybody protesting. I see none of that. But if it had been a white person who would have killed a black person or a white police officer or a police officer who would have killed an African-American, the city would have went up in flames. If we believe that all that black lives matter, we first have to make sure that they matter to us. Because I do agree, and that's a Compton politics vote. If, yes. <laughs> If they don't, if they don't matter to us, then how can we demand that they matter to others? Just like I'm, just like I'm outraged when George Zimmerman kills a Trayvon Martin or or a Michael Bell or 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 a shooting take place in Ferguson that claims the life of a of a young African American. I'm outraged at this stuff. I'm equally outraged when Trayvon Martin kills another Trayvon Martin or, or when another African-American kills an African-American or when an African-American kills a Hispanic or when a Hispanic kills an African-American. I'm outraged across the board. Why? Because for me, as a believer, the Bible says that God has no respect of persons, and he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever. So that whosoever includes everybody. And so when people get upset when they hear people say all lives matter, that doesn't mean that we're negating the fact or that we're rejecting the fact that black lives matter because we know they do. But what, we're, what, what people are saying is be equally outraged across the board. Be Protest. Don't just protest when an when a African-American is killed. Protest the fact that they that, – that the unemployment rate in the African American community is so high. Protest the fact that the poverty rate is so high. Protest the fact that each state has an educational lottery that takes in billions of dollars a year 
but yet that money never makes it to the inner city schools and our schools are doing drastically. They're, they're failing horribly. They they don't have the proper equipment for the schools. You got full schools with, with paint falling off the ceiling and paint peeling off the walls and kids exposed to lead paint and all this other stuff. There should be Black Lives Matter. Right, and right, so, right. With the Brown Party, what we're saying is, we believe that black lives matter, but we also believe that there should be equal treatment under the law. And so, and this is where this is where the partisan politics come in, and it's very divisive. If you've noticed, this election was one of the most divisive elections ever. I mean, it was just brutally bloody on both sides. I mean, it was just a nonstop barrage. They couldn't even get through a debate without the hatred and the divisiveness. They couldn't stick to the policies. Right, they couldn't stick right. to the policies because they were too busy fighting each other over, over you know, and, and then they're pandering. You have Hillary Clinton. She's pandering. She's bringing Beyonce and Jay-Z out on stage because she's trying to go black vote. Well, everybody don't listen. Say, so look, you know what? I want to hit that right there, and I'm gonna be kind of like the devil's advocate. Go ahead. You know, because you know the the the, the what we said. I'm hit you. You know, I'm just gonna keep it real. So, you're a politician. You mm-hmm. what makes your words more different than any of these politicians, the governmental people? What makes your words so different and your movement so different that we can vote for you? We can vote for you. We believe in you. What is it uh, so you know so different about you? Because you got to understand, no matter what, if I had a Timex and if I had a Rolex, it's still a watch. Mm-hmm. You feel That's what true. I'm saying? That's so true. I'm asking you. Being that you, you know, you're running for the, you run in this office, you finna run for office, you, you, like I said, you running in a state you wouldn't even, you know, you wasn't even born in, and that's unbelievable that you're doing this. And when it happened, I know you're going to be, because I support you, and I'm trying to get all the people on the West Coast to support you. You know what I mean? Um, and at the same time, what makes you different as becoming a politician? I say for the nation, because you're doing a whole national movement. What makes you so different than a, um, I'm Maxine Waters. Because what, here, here's what separates me from people like Maxine Waters and, and, and uh, Jackson Lee and all the rest of them. The message that I have is, is not a message of words. It's a message of heart, number one. My message is not, is not inclusion cloaked in division and, and, or, or inclusion or, or division cloaked in inclusion. The Brown Party and what I stand for and what this party stands for is inclusion. And when I say inclusion, we don't really I, – I tell people all the time, don't let the word brown fool you. Don't don't get stuck on that word brown. That word and this brown, is an open forum, everybody. Everybody, this is open forum. So if you are on the line, you can ask questions now. You know what I mean? I just let this guy roll because he's giving a lot of valid information. And sometimes, like I say, content politics is giving a person a voice. You know, this is a voice for the people. So this is what we need. This is how we need to hear this. And if you have any questions, you can ask right now. You know, we just we respect the space that we have. Thank you. Go ahead and finish. So somebody might ask you some questions now. We have like oh, that's two fine. On right now. Okay. That's fine. Can I, so can now, I just ask you? You can come back. You can come back to that. Can, do anybody have any questions? They've been sitting up here so politely. You got one caller from New York. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just want to respect the people. You know. 
Anybody any questions for the brother? Oh, Lorenzo, um, yeah, it's Lisa. I I just want to say I I want to thank your your guest on, and I didn't know he's a politician, but I can definitely appreciate everything that you say, and you know, you. um, I just have you know a little pushback when it comes to the Black Lives Matter because there's a specific application for that movement that I think we're all getting confused. Now, you know, it, Black Lives Matter sprang up out of the fact that we needed some attention to black lives. You know, that it's is not correct. the fact that we're being killed on the streets, we're being locked up in massive numbers. So it's the fact that, you know, it, it, the application of it, I think, is what's being confused. So when black people kill, when we kill each other, we're more grieving than, than angry. You know, we grieve more than anything. So I think that's where, you know, the maybe the confusion goes in. Why aren't they up, outraged? You know, because that's not their purpose. We are always grieving when we see black men or women, when we kill each other. That's just natural because we're family. But when we see other people do it, we're outraged. We're we're so outraged to the part, you know, to the point where we feel like we need to move. There's some action that needs to be taken. Yeah. So, you know, I just kind of question the, you know, because I hear that argument a lot. Where is Black Lives Matter when black people, this, we've been killing each other for a while, and we know why this is happening. It's kind of, you know, what's happened to us in this country. So it's it's a systemic, a system of the system, a symptom of the system. So, you know, I just wanted to say that, but um, I can definitely appreciate where you come from and everything you say. I, I appreciate yeah. that. And, and I'll tell you, I agree with you on what you said, that, that the application of Black Lives Matter, what they were created to do, they, they, were, they were created in response of an issue that needed a voice. And so they rose up, and, and, and it was a great thing because they brought attention to an issue that had been swept under the rug and had been pushed to the side. But here, here, here's my slight pushback on that. Okay, we look at the issues that took place in Charlottesville, uh, uh, Virginia, over the weekend where that young lady was killed tragically because some idiot decided to get behind the wheel of a car and take out his frustration and his anger in, in an unproductive way and, 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 and sped down a road full of hatred and, and, and malice and took the life of someone who was simply out there exercising her freedom of speech, uh, the same thing that they were exercising. But what what mainstream media didn't show, and I watched this, were the videos leading up to that. You know, they talked about how the uh, white nationalists were protesting and chanting KKK uh, slurs and things, and or, or rants and chants. But but at the same time, there were people from Black Lives Matter and Antifa who were coming down the road shouting Black Lives Matter. Now there was a Caucasian woman who was streaming this live. And this is not something that I heard. This is what I watched. She was streaming this live, and she was saying how the the um, the white nationalists, they had a permit to be out there. The Black Lives Matter did not have a permit to be out there. They were not supposed to be there. These people had a legal, lawful permit to protest, and they were protesting to bring this, to keep the flag where it was. They didn't want to bring the flag down off of the statue of General Lee. So... While this woman is walking through the crowd of the um, of the the uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa protesters who were coming in opposition 
of the white nationalists who were there, the, the, the African-Americans in the crowd were yelling at her because she was white, telling her to get out, get out, you white this, get out. And I'm sitting there saying, wait a minute, wait a minute now. Racism occurs on all sides. Now, here's my question. The white nationalists were there lawfully, and I'm not excusing actions. Please don't take it that I'm saying it was it's okay. Hey, man, like I say all the time, this is what I say. I say right is right. It don't matter. If right is right, and, and right wrong is wrong. is right, period. Now, now, here's the thing. These white nationalists had a permit to protest. The mayor of Charlottesville tried to revoke their their permit to protest. The ACLU stepped in and, and sued the, the city of Charlottesville to get the, the permit reinstated because it was a lawful protest. They went through the proper channels to protest. They went and got a permit. Black Lives Matter is there. Antifa is there. Antifa, I looked at their website. I posted um, information from their website on my Facebook page. They specifically target certain demographics to cause chaos, to disrupt their ability to protest, to stir up stuff. It's on their website. It's not what I heard on the media. It's on their website. Hey, they do that what? out here in South Central. Hey, they do the yeah. same thing in South Central. They throw diversions, and they start to rally. They start to riot. They they the ones that get a yeah. and they want to start it, they leave. And they, I've they seen do, it, yeah. it happened right in South Central. It happened right in South Central a year ago. My homeboy put it on video. He said, man, look at these people. He said, man, yeah. y'all don't even live over here. Y'all don't and even live paid. over here. What is y'all doing over here? Get up. This was, get the up. this was the game bangers. This was the game bangers telling them people that's paid through this organization that instigate, they, they instigators. It's an organization. Yeah. They're instigators. They they, it was in South Central. It was a drive-by shooting. Somebody cop did it. So what they do is it's about it's a lot of them. They come with a poster. Oh yeah. Got their kids. Oh, yeah. They got their kids. Oh yeah. They got everything. Now, Don't even belong in that community. So when the news pull up, they run to the news. So the people yeah. in that community. They don't even know these people, but these people are arguing like you don't know if these people live in that community or not. Now here, you know here, they get people because they get people yeah. of the same peer of that community. They go get somebody mm-hmm. and dress like oh, yeah. those people in South Central. They go get oh, people yeah. that look like Filipinos in Chinatown. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what but they I do. And they, these these people are called paid. They're called paid anarchists. They are they are paid to create anarchy in the community, and so. Again, you have these white nationalists, KKK, neo-Nazis, you got them. And no, we don't agree with what they stand for. However, they do, under the Constitution, have a right to assemble there. They paid for a permit to assemble there. They, the police there. Now, there was no reason for Black Lives Matter and Antifa to show up. Why are you walking down the road chanting Black Lives Matter? This event, this protest here, has nothing to do with black lives. Now, we can, we can run the argument, well, the flag itself, okay. But to them, that flag is their heritage from what they say. I'm not one of them, so I don't know. I'm going based on what they say. However, there was, no, there was nothing going on that was hurting physically hurting black people or anything like that. So why show up? Why show up with bats? And we're not just talking about, you know, the white supremacists and stuff. We're talking about the people from Antifa and Black Lives Matter who showed up with bats, 
and sticks and chains and showed up with riot gear on. You Many times you looked at the videos and you thought that the people in the black riot gear were police, but they weren't. That was Antifa and Black Lives Matter. Then, you know, there was at one point in the video where I saw one of them. That was not the No, that was not the police. That was Antifa and Black Lives Matter. They showed up intentionally. Say again? I I beg to differ. No, the reason why I say it was because the police, the police that were there, the ones that were there, their shields. No, 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 not according to the mayor. The mayor went on TV today and said they had thousands prepared, but because they they tried to move the protest to a different place to give them more space, but they fought to keep it where it was. There was a news reporter who was a main a mainstream news reporter who was on the news yesterday and she complained. She said that she was standing next to a state trooper and the state trooper told his people to move down the road. So she said when she saw them moving, she assumed that they were moving because of the fighting that was going on. But the state trooper said, no, we're moving to the other side of the road because it's too dangerous over here. But that's what you're there for. You are paid to go into that dangerous situation. When I was a soldier in the military and I was deployed, I was paid. My, I took an oath to go, not to run from the danger, but to run to the danger. When your house is on fire, the firemen do not run from the blaze. They go into the blaze. Why? That's what they're there to do. So when you have state troopers, local police, and the National Guard, all on scene ahead of time. But while this is going on, they do not move, they do not intervene, they do not put up a line, they do. They see the fighting going on, they saw when the fighting started. They let it take place. They let it take place. Now, we can argue, well, no, they didn't, yes, they, no, they let it take place because they had setup, the ability. Man. It was a setup, man. It's a, it was it's a, a setup. Yeah, of course it was a propaganda stunt, because this is how politicians, Democrat and Republican, especially going into an election year, in a midterm election that's that's highly contested, like 2018, Democrats need some some PowerPoints, because Trump's base is pretty strong and stable. It it don't seem to be shifting, so they need to, they've been getting whipped in some of these elections that have been coming up. They, I mean, they've been getting whipped in these elections since Trump got elected. All of these Republicans keep getting elected, and they thought that Trump's election was going to cause Democrats to get back on top, but it didn't work. So what do you do? You stand by and you allow. You know, and I said this to the mayor and the vice mayor of Charlottesville. I sent them both a message, and I explained to them, I hold them, the both of them accountable and the governor of Virginia accountable. Why? Your officers were on scene when that car ran through that crowd and smashed through all of those people and slammed into the first car and then went in reverse and ran backwards into people. I watched the video. There were several minutes where there was no police. Then the fire department showed up. And they slowly pulled up. You could see them in the video slowly pulling up and parking. They got out, and they 
they casually walked over to where the incident was. Then you saw maybe about three or four minutes later, you see the police show up. And they come, and I tell you, it was so many police out there. And I'm saying to myself, where were they the whole time? They saw well, this. I mean, this young man, that this man who who allegedly killed, and I say allegedly because in this country you are innocent until proven guilty. He's not been proven guilty, although we all we all saw the video, those of us who did. This young man sat in his car in the middle of an empty street. No other cars behind him, none in front of him. There was no traffic. He sat there in his vehicle with the vehicle running for several minutes before he put that car in drive and sped down the road into that crowd. There, where was the police when all of this stuff took place? They were on scene, and as you said, they were told, I just believe, now, the police will say, no, that's not true. But those police, for them not to act and not to respond, they were moving on orders. Because the police don't just stand on the side. They are rules of engagement. And when you are told not to engage, you do not engage. No matter how much you... No matter how much you feel you need to intervene, I remember we, and the rules apply even in the military, we had a young lady in our line, in our unit that was pregnant, and she passed out, and somebody reached out to catch her and got an Article 15. Why? Because the commander asked the person, are you a medic? Do you have any medical training? No, sir. So why did you move from the line? She was falling. That's not your job to catch her. And right, so the you know, police... You're right. They have rules of engagement. So then you have the mayor, the, the vice mayor of Charlottesville, Virginia, and I'm not sure if you've seen his Facebook or his Twitter page with how he, how he bragged about potentially raping girls and how he bragged about uh, how he said on his Twitter page that he hate white people. That's why he don't like white snow. You know, and he, wow. he, 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 cla- he claims that all of this stuff was in his past back in 2011, 2012. But he went to the meeting the other day with the Black Panthers book bag on. Now, wow. he, you people can say, well, that's just circumstantial. That's just coincidental. No, there are no coincidences in politics. Trust me when I tell you, everything that happens politically happens intentionally. There are no, there are no coincidences. Stuff doesn't come out in the media and get leaked out by accident. It was intentional. So he shows up. He himself tries to stop the protest from going forward. Now, they knew that these these people were going to protest since they filed the petition to protest for the permit. They they stopped. They tried to block it. The courts overturned it and made them proceed with the protest. They tried to move it. Courts said it ain't going to happen. They listen. One thing, me, you know, and I'm not an elected official yet, but I work with the with the city officials and I work with the police department really quick, really good and really closely. Here's one thing I've noticed. Anytime, any type of mass event, anything that could cause detriment to the city, any type of protest or anything else is going on in a city, that police department knows about it. They have intelligence officers that are monitoring social media. They know the stuff is coming before the public does. They are watching this stuff. They know what is going on and what is coming to their city. That's how they set up their contingency plans. If they didn't know this was going to happen, how could they have the National Guard, the state police, and the 
local police all on scene prior to the start of the protest. They knew what was going on. There were orders not to move because that incident was politically motivated, and tragically, someone lost their life so that someone else's propaganda machine could run. That is the tragedy of politics in this country, and that's why we started the Brown Party of America, because we are sick and tired of being used as pawns on a, on a, on a, on a, on a chessboard and, and, and move to and fro as people please, not given the right to think for ourselves, not given the ability to believe. The media feeds us. America is on a serious, serious uh, trip of weight loss. America is losing weight extremely you want to know why? Because the media is feeding America sound bites instead of feeding us the entire truth. We don't get the whole truth from the media. We get sound bites. We get bits and pieces. I've watched interviews. I have watched interviews on C-SPAN and, 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 and other networks, watched the entire interview, and then watched the media take a snippet of that interview and spin it to mean something else. And I'm sitting there saying, wait a minute, I watched that interview from start to finish. And I know that's not what was said because I was watching the interview. But they yes, give us yes, yes. they give us these little snippets of information. And you, you, you know why? You know why they don't broadcast stuff about Chicago as much? And you know why they don't broadcast stuff about black-on-black crime? Because it doesn't get the ratings that you get when a white person kills an African-American or a group of white people clash with a group of African-Americans and whites that they all have this big hoorah Midwestern showdown. Uh, uh, it doesn't get the ratings, and it doesn't stir up flint flare up tempers and temperatures nationally like that stuff does. That's why, look at 30 shootings, 30, 30 plus shootings this weekend alone in Chicago. I didn't see it on the news. I didn't see any protests. I didn't see none. That stuff don't really make the news. You want to know why? It's not a hot button topic. It's like you said. It's like it's a common problem. thing. It's a common it's, thing. It's a common it's like thing the, that we do it's to like, each other. Yeah. It's like hey, you know, it's like, uh, it's to the point, look, it's to the point now, but they don't have to broadcast it no more, because they already know we're going to know about who gets oh, yeah. killed. You know what I'm and saying? And we're going to broadcast so it for them. And that's the dynamics, media. you know what I mean? And that's the dynamics on how energy changes to where we done killed ourselves so much to where mm-hmm. now it's just, don't have to even report this stuff no more. Let so me tell you, we, let me tell you this. In North Carolina, in Fayetteville, Cumberland County, where, where we live, they're doing this thing called the ACP, the Atlantic Coast Pipeline. And this pipeline is going to run from Fairfax, Virginia, all the way down into Robeson County, North Carolina, and then break off. And, and, and it's supposed to destroy waterways. It's supposed to destroy freshwater uh, streams and, and, and tear up people's property. I mean, this is a huge pipeline that's coming through. They were going to run this pipeline through what we call the Triangle, Durham and Chapel Hill. It's the more wealthy and affluent part of the state. The people in Raleigh, Durham, and Chapel Hill, the wealthy people came out and said, you're not running that through here. You're not running that through here. Send it through another area. So they decided to send it through Cumberland County where I live, which, is, which, which has a high poverty rate. And when we went to the meeting to find out why, they were bold enough to explain that Cumberland County and the counties that this pipeline is running through are called, we are called sacrifice zones. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is okay 
to run this poisonous line with these poisonous gases that are going to, in 16 years, poison our drinking water in Cumberland County. It is okay to run them through our area because we don't have the money to fight them, and we are sacrifice. We are we are sacrificial. It is okay to sacrifice us so that, and then Duke Energy, who is going to run this pipeline through. What they're going to do is they're going to get a 14% return on their investment, and they're going to charge all of their customers an additional $20 a month to pay for coal ash that they spill in the waterways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And $20 then to die. $20 and then charge them an additional percentage for the pipeline. And you know why? Because when, we went, when I went to the meeting, there was only – Five other African Americans at the meeting, and four of them came with me. And I'm you know sitting there what? saying, you know, "Go ahead." You know what, man? I like to hear that story. You know why? I mean, I'm, it's just I'm just keeping it real because I just joined this organization. That's I just joined this organization, man. That we help people buy first-time home buyers. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I like to put things together. So if y'all know in y'all town, in 16 years, y'all still going to be poisoned. And we had this new program coming out to help you buy your home in a new city, go greenhouse, straight the windows and everything. We can save that. We can save the people. Because if you already know, like I said, when the truth is out, you got to make a move, man. Mm-hmm. You got to yeah. make a move. So, so there's some things that I can bring to the table to help y'all move from there. I'm not saying, I mean, because you're going to have to, because they're going to do it. They're yeah. gonna do that. Yeah, they you know gonna what I mean? do it. So, so you have to have a plan now as a Brown Party to come up with a solution. Yeah, to help and the people. We're working, help the people. We're working with the we're working with an organization here, uh, Olive Project, well, need, and they do. Well, I got an organization for you too. I got an organization for you too. Awesome, awesome. And we're trying to sell like We're trying to get we're trying to get a million people in homes right now. I'm the I'm the actually the um, the public relations agent. And that's and what we they, need. Yes, I have it. I'm the public relations uh, public relations agent, my brother. And I love to hear that part because we're trying to put a million people, a million people in America in homes. And I'm talking about you're gonna get the package. You're gonna get the disaster package. You're gonna get uh, a five. You have to put no money down. We're gonna put the money down for you. Wow. Um, you get educated on how to be the homeowner, and it's a brand new zip code. New city, and that's what's happening right now. And I love to hear that was perfect. Hey, you breaking, breaking up. You Okay, hold on. Listen, let me fix my phone. You know, I don't like breaking up on nobody. <laughs> and that that that's information right is perfect. It is perfect, and we right. definitely need that stuff. We need we need that empowerment. Yeah, we need that stuff. Am I breaking up too? No, you're all right. Okay. Um, and so we, we, we need those things. But when you look at it, it's like the caller said earlier, uh, I believe her name is Lisa, what she said earlier, that when African Americans kill African Americans, we mourn, but we don't get angry like oh, that. Oh, we lost you all. Are you, uh, we, we, um, I think she's losing us. But she said it, the, the community doesn't really get angry. It mourns. My brother I'm was killed here. in 2008. Okay. My brother was killed in 2008. He was killed. He was a, he owned a business. He owned a business in New York City. And in New York City, you know, where his business was, he was going home one night, and he came out, and there were some young guys that were sitting on his car. 
And, you know, he was getting ready to go home, so he asked him, you know, to come on up off the car and not to sit on his car. So he got in his car, put his seatbelt on, turned the engine on, turned his heat on, and on and, and the two the, the young men turned around and shot him twice through the window and killed him instantly. My only brother killed him because he asked him to not sit on his car. Now, others may have been grieving and my family was grieving too, but we were pissed off. And you know what we did because we were pissed off? We didn't go home and, 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 and just deal with our grieving to ourselves. We contacted the police department, and we let them know that we were shutting down two blocks in Harlem. We called Al Sharpton. He, he didn't come out and support, but we called him. We, called, we got people in the community out there. We got one of the senators out there. My brother was a Muslim. We contacted the Muslim imam that, at the, at the, at the uh, mosque that he went to, and we had people from the Nation of Islam come out, and we shut down two blocks of City Street in Manhattan, in Harlem, New York City, and we protested because we were pissed off that a young man's life was snuffed out simply because he asked somebody. And the men who killed him are still on the, on the loose. And we still track that case to this day. We got, we're not going to let it go away because we're, we, we're done grieving. We're pissed off at this point. We want answers. We want to know how could you take someone's life that you didn't give? You know, and so even though our community grieves, if 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 Tyrone kills Jerome, I wouldn't care if they were blood brothers, street brothers, hood brothers, school brothers, military brothers, brothers from other mothers. There should be an outrage in the community because when that family is done grieving, there will be pain. There will be an there will be an, an eternal gap. But that's not the I, purpose of protest. We don't protest each but other. We should, it would get but, nowhere. but we should. But we should. Each other, we have no power. Yes, that, we do. That brings me back yes, we to saying do. that we can all be racist. We as black people need to get on code and understand what racism is. We do not understand. Black people cannot be racist. We do not hold power to wield over not hold one on. nationality on. in this country. Yes, Did you say black angry, people yes, cannot be racist? We cannot be racist. Let me repeat Okay, hold, that. I'm going to give you black the Black people can be prejudiced. No, you have the floor. I'm going to respect Okay, go you. ahead. I appreciate everything you said, but I just really wanted to kind of push back a little bit because I okay. hear you say, and I hear this all the time, black people cannot be racist. Let's just hmm. get on, on this understanding that we do not hold power. We are not in control of the institutions. And when black people are angry at something, and we can yell all we want, we don't like white people, we don't like these people, we cannot shut them out of the housing, we cannot control where, what school their kids go to, we cannot control their daily lives and how many we lock up. We cannot exercise racism over anyone. We are the victims of racism, and I know we hate to use the word victim, so we're just casualties of racism, but we cannot be racist. We need to understand that we can be prejudiced, we can be angry at what has happened to us throughout history, but racist is a specific term that means they are wielding power over us as a people, and they are dominating us and oppressing us. We cannot do that as a people. We can be angry, okay. we can dislike them, we can hate them, we can protest, but we don't protest each other. If, if someone shoots me in the street 
what am I going to protest in front of his house? It's not going to make the police do anything extra. Now, I understand protest does have its place in time, but it's kind of nearing its end. You know, it's kind of time more for educating each other and action. I can appreciate you saying you're calling legislatures, calling these people, but protesting is really just a sign of acting out your anger. And, yes, you're angry, yeah, but this time for action. And I just don't think that protesting really is getting us anywhere. It's been done, tried, and tested, and we just, you know, you can't protest. They don't care anyway. It's like yelling at a brick wall. We're out there protesting. They don't care anyway. So I kind of agree with you when you said Black Lives Matter really kind of, I guess, shouldn't be out there. But there's a whole story out here that the fact that, you know, they were there and the whole reason that thing ignited there in Virginia is because they heard that there was some sort of reparations going to be handed out to the people in that town. So it really inflamed them to come down there. It wasn't just about the General Lee statue. It went deeper than that. That's what brought those people out from all over the country in the thousands. The Black Lives Matter was a small minority in those people, and they took the brunt of that beating, as well as white-on-white crime was happening. But, you know, it's really complex what we're going through, and I really wish we as a people could understand the language of and understand the nature of the beats we're dealing with. Let's just be simple with the language. We have been shut out uneducated, and turned on each other. And now it's time to understand that all of our lies are their truth. The, the, lie, the, the, the lies we're living is, is confusing us as a people. So, you know, I understand that we have to, you know, temper ourselves and, you know, I don't know. We need a black policy. I, I, I just feel that me, me as what I know and what I've been studying and what I've been learning, what I've been reading about, we have to reinvent ourselves. We have to come out yeah. with a whole brand new slate what they don't know about. Yes, yes. They already know about that. If we can't beat them, we got to join them. And I don't mean join them by saying we're going to do what they do. But we have to re- reinvent ourselves and recreate the mind thinking because it's to the galaxy now. It's not to the millennium. And I speak about this all the time. It's to the galaxy now. We got to start thinking not outside the box, but inside the box. When you go outside the box, people will be able to peep out what you're doing. Let's stand that box. Let's think together. Like we all in that little cloud, we can get a lot of things done together. Once we get to crawling out, leaving each other, they're not gonna fuck. They're not gonna deal with us anyway. Period. So the whole thing is to get ourselves empowered in our minds, body, and soul. And it's very simple. It's about the energy that we have to create. Like I believe in that brown party. I really do. I like that because I've been non-politic all my life. I really don't believe in uh, uh, political reason. I believe in people reason. People is what makes the power. People is what makes the energy. As long as God is in it, it don't matter what man say. If we keep on depending on what we're going to depend on what man say, you're going to be a hypocrite in your own life because that's not mm-hmm. how God wants us to be. God wants us to believe in him, in the faith, and have faith step by step, day by day. That's how black people make it. Yes, there's going to be sacrifices. There's going to be ones that die. 
That's the percentage of what go what black people go through. It's gonna be a percentage of black people making it. It's gonna be a percentage of black people not making it. It's gonna be a percentage of black people almost making it. But you got to choose on what life you're gonna live or what direction you're gonna go in or how you're gonna live your legacy and in your legacy to pass it on to your grandkids. Mm-hmm. No. I, and it's like something. It's like this is how black black people believe in their own families. You know what I mean? Hey, they oh Johnny, oh that wasn't my thank God that wasn't my grandson that got shot. That's the first mm-hmm. thing we say. Was my was my son with him? Oh thank the Lord, I feel sorry for Sally. I mean that's the way it go. Cause we know something is bound to happen no matter what level. We we get man, I get more screwed in legal business than I got screwed in the streets. I didn't change my life around, and I get and I get screwed. I get used more than I ever been used and screwed before in my life, and I wasn't even in the streets. You know what I mean? Now that I'm not in the streets, I be more madder in regular life. Yeah, yeah. You feel what I'm saying? When I'm in the streets, at least they gave you respect. Mm-hmm. I agree. You feel me? So I'm just, you know, I'll keep it 1,000, not 100, because you need more extra credit when you need credit. (laughs) (laughs) But on the real note, I'm just trying to keep it real, you know, because we all, you know, we all suffer with something. I know millionaires and billionaires that are suffering, man. Yeah, you're right. Because because of the quality of their life, they rent is $50,000 a year. They rent a month is $50,000 a month. Mm Mm-hmm. They light bill is $5,000. So then because a person is rich more than you, believe me, your bill they might be $50 a light bill, but that bill is $50,000. Yeah, yeah. You feel what I'm saying? So don't let mm-hmm. the smooth, so let's not us get caught up and let the smooth taste fool us. Because exactly. we, we know the value in life is way more important than what, what it costs. The value of life is about what you feel what type of energy you build up and what type of friends is around you. Exactly. I have a choice now, every day. I have a choice every single day in my life as Lorenzo Darnell Murphy, as Compton Politics on Mondays at 7.30. I have a choice. Yeah. I could have like, not even call this line and say I need to do something else to make some money. But I choose to do something so more important in my life, even though – it's humanitarian what we're sitting here talking about. You know what I mean? People, we're going to save their lives just by us sitting there talking, elaborating with each other. I mean, you know, and, then, and I just look at life that way because we all, we don't have, no, don't nobody have the answer. Nobody. Like I said, I believe in what God can do, but God wants you to yeah. do the work. But at the same time, we got to forget, we got to, we got to leave what man can do for us. We got to leave yeah. that out. Man has failed us. Man. Yeah. You feel me? So if we can come together on one report and believe in that one thing, like like just like everybody believe in God, some people don't, but I'm just saying they believe half the devil have believe in God. But when you have that faith and you believe in God, do you know how powerful it is when you can meet another person that believes in God, you meet another person that believes in God, then to say, hey, man, hey man, we're waiting on them men to do something for us. Man, you know how mm-hmm. powerful it is when you can get together and say, man, let's pray together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I can call it when my father was on his on that life support, and I put the prayer out to please pray for my father. I mean, people talk about Facebook all they want to. I didn't, I can go to I can't even go to church and get that many strong prayers like I did got off of Facebook. It was over 400 prayers and probably 500 comments, man. And the next day, just that happening, 
my father got off life support. Mm. Then it wasn't about nobody praying. Then nobody prayed to man, though. You check out what I'm saying. Everybody that prayed was not praying to man. Everybody prayed to God for my father. So we had to get more, a little more depth on what we really need to focus on, and it's ourselves. We the ones yeah. that make the change in our community. I'm tired of watching things happen in our community, and I'm not a part of it. Yeah, yeah. That's what we to need to become focus a part on. of the process. We've got to become a part of this situation, the problem, and everything else behind it. Because yeah. it's so important that we understand how we all have to get along. When we dance, like I'm going to say two things about this. If every nationality put on a white T-shirt and we all went out there to play basketball, what color of the ring wanna call it is going to be around everybody's T-shirt? Dark mud, because we all are mud. We all dirt. We all break down to what? When we get burnt and cremated, we skeletons. we all skeletons. Take all the skin off, all the organs out, and let's lay each other next to each other. We're skeletons. We are all connected, one way or the other. So I'm looking at it in that manner. I look at it in that way. I really yeah. do because people get so confused. I don't believe what men say, and I'm sorry to say this. I, that's why I don't, sometimes I don't want to go to church because I don't want to. I, I don't know. It's just my own way. I'm not. I will go to church, but it's like I've been to so many bad churches and I heard some many mm-hmm. bad things. Not as many. I've been to Jim Jones Church. I've been to Reverend Ike's Church. I've been to you know, other churches, and I've been seeing certain things where it taught me this. It told me, like, man, you have to listen to these men tell you about God. You've been through enough in your life, in your life experience, and you know God and Jesus work in your own self. You feel what I'm saying? And it's like yeah. a lot of people is like that. A lot of people are spiritual. A lot of people are spiritually connected. And a lot of people are about what God really can do. And that's what we got to go back to. No matter if they talk about government, don't deal with religion and all that, they do. Then believe me, those people that's in the government go to church. They go to something. And, and they want, you know, just, let's just wake up. That's all I want to say. Let's just wake up and let's just start respecting whoever's about the movement. Let's respect who's, no matter what color, how big, how fat, where they can be a man. Why, why, you know, why is it that a person that's handicapped that's a, uh, that can't even move but just with their mouth with a wheelchair is like the president of the of the of of the organization up under the White House for the disabled people, but why did they even put out a position like that for a person that's supposed to be even unstable to even think for anybody? But mm-hmm. they're able they're able to take that one one person and make a movement for all across the country where he can represent everybody that's like that. So so why could us as as people come and do that same concept? as people that want to change the dynamics on where the world and the way the people are supposed to be. So I'm not saying everybody believe in God. I'm not saying everybody um, has to believe in what I'm saying, but it's just my opinion. Like I said, this is Compton Politics. This is T25CL.com. This is Galaxy Talk Radio. Uh, There's a lot of things that uh, T25 does. We have shows uh, every day besides Sunday, 7.30 from Monday to Friday, and at 10 o'clock, we have United We Stand radio show with Brother Andre. Tune in, look at the website, T25CL.com, Galaxy Talk Radio, or www.T25CL.com. 
You know, we've been on here. We've been smashing on this show, man. This show is hot tonight, and I really appreciate the guests calling in, giving us information, man. This is, you know, my other guests didn't call in, which is all good. I don't know. Somebody just called. Hello, who's just that just called in? This is uh, this is Daryl Thornton from New Hello. Jersey. Daryl Thornton from New Jersey. Hello, Daryl. Uh, you know, we're up here on a hot subject tonight. We're just talking about things that happened in Virginia. We're talking about political situations and just being ourselves tonight. You know, what, do you have any input on what's going on? Have you been listening? Are you just coming in on the call? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, here on the East Coast, it's about 12 o'clock. Uh, I usually take a nap. I've taken a nap uh, with the intentions upon getting up very much earlier. But unfortunately, I just joined in about a minute ago. Okay, well, we're really hitting the points on, go ahead. You know, we're just really hitting on some major points about what how people need to come together. It's about empowering people of all color for sure. Uh, we're talking about the dynamics on, you know, uh, why people should be coming together in America, you know. And I always want to speak on the part about there's two types of people in America. You're a USA citizen or you're an American citizen. Because I heard the guest earlier say American, but on the passport it says USA. So while we're a corporation, how do we become a, how do we become an American in America? And you know what I'm saying? Because it's like on our birth certificates, a lot of big letters on there. On our mail, there's big mm-hmm. letters, capital letters. I mean, that means we're the corporation. We know we're part of the USA Olympic team. Really, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So how do, will we be able to become an American citizen? Because they don't have us as an American citizen. They have us as an African American citizen, which we can't even go to. Africa and really claim that because our DNA is not in Africa. Mm-hmm. That is true. That is you true. feel what I'm saying? So, so what are we really? Are we United States citizens? Are we American citizens? I've been looking at passports. Every other nationality, as far as Italy, they have Italian on their passport. You feel well, me? We are we are U.S. citizens, and the re- and the reason for that is uh, when you look at America. America does not just encompass the United States. There are the Americas. You have South America. You have North America. Canada is also considered an America. It is a Northern America, but we are in the we are, we are the United States of America. Um, but you have your your people who are in South America. You know those those South American countries. They're also part of. So when they have the Conference of the Americas where the presidents of these countries come together, it's because they are all considered to be um, Americans. But I, I wanted to say something. But wait a minute, can uh, I say this? Now, Ben, yeah. you said it before you get from that. But Go what ahead. about African Americans? Now, that and, and that's another thing. And this, and we don't this have is a, so, so you, but you hear what I'm saying? What about yeah. Africa? Like you said, you got the Latin South America, you got the other Americans, Chinese Americans, but what about black Americans? That's called... African Americans, but we never been to but we, but we never been to Africa. So listen to this. Now, Pete, why would they want to call us African Americans if we was born in America? Why can't we be Black Americans in oh, America? Americans. Right, right, right. So where did they? So where is the twist at with the African part? And they know that Africa don't even like really American Black men. This is the way the system is designed to perpetrate division, is they break us up into different sects 
of society. You have your Hispanic Americans or your Latin Americans. You have your African Americans. You have, but when it when you get down to 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 the Caucasians or the white people in this country, they are simply called Americans. You never hear them addressed as Caucasian Americans, and you know, and you you look on you, you look on um you look on a on a on a piece of paper. You're filling it out, and it says white. It says African American or black. Um, and so this is how they segregate us, and this is also how they pit us against each other. This 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 is systematic uh, uh, racism and 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 uh, divisiveness and division at its best. Now the caller earlier said that African Americans or black people, brown people. Because I often tell my kids I'm not black and they're not black because when you look at my skin, my skin color is brown. It's not black. My computer monitor is black. Um, and when you look at white people and you put a white piece of paper next to their face, they're not white. They have a cream color to them. They're kind of like an off-white, a beige, a really, really, really light brown. Um, but, and again, that's where you get the brown party at. But when you say black people can't be racist, we have to look at what the definition of racism or racist is in its original context. What does it mean to be racist? To, and according to the dictionary, racist is a person who shows or feels discrimination or prejudice against people of other races or who believe that a particular race is superior to another. Now, I'm from New York City, lived in New York City all of my life up until 2008 when I went overseas to Iraq and then came back to North Carolina and have been here since then. But even here in North Carolina, we have the guys that stand outside and, and you know, I guess they call them the Israelites and stuff like that. And they, they you know, they, they have their faith and their belief and stuff. But I've heard them, you know, and I don't know if this is how they are everywhere, but I've heard them here in North Carolina and in New York speak with complete disdain for white people and say how the black race is the superior race. And and you ought to be ashamed of yourself preaching in that church for that white devil and all this. That is racism. That's not prejudice. That is racism. That, that is being a racist. It's okay to have your your religious views, but when you believe through discrimination or that your race is superior to another. You are a racist. And so black people can be racist. I grew up in Harlem, New York City. When I tell you I saw racism just about every day, let a white person had walked into Harlem. They was beating them down. Now Harlem has, kind of, you know, through gentrification and stuff like that, Harlem is, is more, you know, is getting lighter and lighter by the day. But when I grew up, you, what that white boy doing here in Harlem? What he doing? He knew I'm past 110th Street. That's racism. Prejudice and all of that stuff is encompassed in racism. So black people can be racist. This also is showing or feeling discrimination or prejudice against people of other races or believing that, again, a, a particular race is superior to another. So anytime you believe that your race is, is better than the next race, 
you have expressed racist views and are operating in racism. Now, we can cloak it and say, oh, we're just being prejudiced and we can't be racist because we don't have the power. I beg to differ. We got more power than we think we do. The system makes us think we don't have power, and they make us think that we can't open our mouths and that ain't nobody. But trust me when I tell you, when 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 we open our mouth and use our voice and use the power that we have, we got economic power. That's what the brown part, that's one of the things the brown part, when we talk about economic empowerment through the brown part, that's what we're talking about. We got economic power. Do you know that if every, if all the people in this country who are deemed to be people of color and minorities were to get together and stop patronizing businesses owned by by white people or, or some people, Anglo-Saxons or Caucasians, do you know you would shut the economy down? Why? Because we have the economic power. But we've been told. Be, and goes back to what you said a few minutes ago. The African Americans are different from the Latin Americans, and the Latin Americans are different from the Jewish Americans, and we're not really Americans because we ain't really from here. Well, the only ones that are really Americans are the ones called Native Americans. They were here. This is their land. They are Native. To, none of us are Native Unless we are descendants of Native Americans, we we didn't our ancestors showed up here through another means of transportation. So they are the they are the only ones who can say that I'm an American because they are native to this land. So what the system does is it pits us against each other and makes us feel that one group of people is greater than the other group of people, and that's where you get stupid stuff like you saw in Charlottesville, in Charlottesville, Virginia, where you have you have people fighting against each other over a flag and over nonsense. Someone loses their life. An innocent young lady loses her life. Pitcher, well, she wasn't innocent. She was out there. Oh, she was innocent. She didn't actually get hit by that car. She was out there. Uh, she was out there operating in her in her constitutional right. She was exercising her First Amendment. So she was innocent in this. But there's racism on both sides. And and when it comes to, to Charlottesville, Virginia, nobody knows who threw the first punch because the media is not showing it. But I saw I saw on the video where the gentleman from, uh, he was on the side of Black Lives Matter in Antifa, where he picked up and walked about 20 feet with a mailbox and threw it. The, the guy on the other side threw water or sprayed him with something, and they started tussling again. So so what we saw in Charlottesville, Virginia was a travesty on both sides and racism and ra- and and racism exists on both sides. And you even have it you, now now black folk really I don't think can be black we can be prejudiced against each other where you have darker skin African feel that they are better than, or, or the light-skinned ones feel that they're better than the dark-skinned ones, and now the paradigm is shifting where the darker ones are feeling like they're better than the light-skinned ones because they have more pigmentation, you know, and so now we have this inner community uh, prejudice going on, which has been going on for years. That's why they had the brown paper bag test, you know, and so they perpetrated this and stuck it in our minds 
But anytime we say we don't have power, we've lost power. That's the purpose of the Brown Party. We're giving power back. And and not just not necessarily giving power back, but exposing and revealing to minorities and people of color, brown men and women, brown boys and girls, that you have more power than this system has been telling you, and it is time that you open your mouth and use your voice, use your economic power, use your mind. You have a brilliant mind. Don't wait for people to give you an education. You have to create an an environment of education, create an environment of learning for yourself. When people look at me, they say, oh, you know, you must have went to college for all of these years and and learned all of this stuff. No, no, no. Most of the stuff that I know, it came, as Paul said, divine revelation and through me researching and studying to show myself approved. And when people look at how I preach the word and they say, you must have went to to Bible college for 50 years and all that. No, 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 no. I have an honorary doctorate degree. But watch this. The stuff that I know about the Word of God came because I sat and I put myself in an environment to be taught. I got around people who knew more than I knew, and I gleaned from them. I did not, I grew up in Harlem, where every day just about we were ducking from people shooting and everything else. And I remember telling my mother one day, I said, Ma, I'm moving out of here, and I'm moving to the South. And this was, I had to be, I mean, this was probably back in about, 2000, somewhere in there. And I had been saying for years, I'm leaving New York. I'm going to the South. And one day I said to my mother, I said, I'm going to the South because I don't want to be here no more. She said, but son, you was born here. I said, just because I was born here doesn't mean I have to die here. There is something that is greater than what I see. When I hear young African Americans and little brown boys and girls say, well, I I don't know no better because I'm not exposed to anything better. That's a lie. Every time you turn on your television set, you are exposed to something else. Every time you walk out of your neighborhood and get on the train or the bus and go somewhere, you are exposed to something else. You pass by business owners that look just like you. That lets you know that there's a there's a potential for you to own a business. When you look at these, the problem is we're so busy watching these shows that show us in a negative way and so when that's all you're being exposed to you know you you watch your your empires and so now you have you have little black boys and black girls wanting to be uh like 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 uh taraji on empire and and all this stuff and they that's what they aspire to do now no 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 as you said earlier, Lorenzo, you got to find yourself. You got to find your identity. You have to be. You have to dig inside of yourself and pull out the potential that's in you, and never ever apologize for seeking better for your life. And that's right. what the system wants you to do. This system is designed to make us fight against each other and come against each other. And this community is fighting against that community. That's how. Let me tell y'all something. Hey, hey, hey! And even churches fighting against each other. What this, oh, what you, you have no idea. You have no idea how much church, churches. Oh my God! People get upset with me all the time because. Um, and 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 what I was going to say was the, the this division is how they stay in power. As long as you fighting against each other, they keep the power because they don't want you to come together because they know they lose power. But let me tell you about churches, and I can say this uh, because I am, I, am, I am not only a candidate for city council, but I am a fully vested 
bishop, and I, I, I hold the title and status of archbishop. And let me tell you about churches. Churches are so egotistical. You can't get one church to work with the other church because if my name ain't the one at the top of the banner, I don't want to be involved with it. Well, why is that? that? You know, and I, I, I mean, for years, and that's another reason why I'm not, I mean, like I said, I'm keeping it real. That's another reason why when I went to prison, I realized it was 4,000 different Christianities. Mm-hmm. I've, seen, I've seen the names myself of 4,000 different Christianities. And oh, yeah. I used to go to the Sunu mosque in prison, not the Nation of Islam, because Sunu represents everybody. And they was even at war in prison. They didn't want to go to no, they didn't go to each other's mosques. Um, mm-hmm. When I read about these 4,000 different uh, Christianities, it just kind of confused me. Then when I get out, I run into my elders. My elders tell me, I ain't going to that Methodist church. Oh, I ain't going to that Christian Baptist church. Oh, I ain't going to that uh, 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 God of Christ church. I mean, even one woman told me, oh, yeah, if you go there with my church, is real loud. We got a section way in the back for you if you want to get up and shout. And I'm just mm-hmm. like trying to put this together like, wow, are you serious? And then about seven years ago, I sat at the round table with 14 pastors out of South Central. They are very predominant, big churches. Me and four other brothers like me were doing work in the community. We was trying to come together with the pastors. Out of 15 pastors, 14 pastors told brothers that's in the streets that are trying to change lives, they are not coming to the street. That is not their problems. That mm-hmm. wasn't their matter. And I said, well, don't you bury gang members? He said, yeah, well, we charge them for the funeral. We really don't want to bury them people there. We really don't want that up in our church. And I said, wait a minute. You mean to tell me y'all run these big churches? I said, do y'all congregation know that y'all attitude? They say they follow what our rules are. Mm-hmm. It's protocol. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. protocol. If you want to be yeah. a member of our church, don't come up in our church. I said, so it's yeah. a corporation. It's a business. Y'all just and, I, and just and it turned me off. You know, yeah. Like I said, I'm God, Jesus Christ, all the way. But it's hard for me to listen to. Man, because I know once he get off that podium, he's somebody else. And yeah. you do. I'm not saying all pastors. I'm not saying all. But for me to be in front, I'm talking about. I'm speaking on life experience. I ain't talking about. Oh, I read a book. No, I sat in four. I sat in front of fourteen pastors. And all the fourteen pastors, only one pastor was about what we was about. Because the week before that, his son got shot in the drive-by. And he wow. admitted that he was like them. But now that it happened to his son, he was to start a silver lining movement to stop the violence. But mm. that never happened to his son that got shot in a drive-by. He never would have, he would have been just like the others. And that's, you know, that's kind of scary because half of these pastors have congregations of 30,000 people. Yeah, yeah. 20,000 people. I'm not going to put yeah. no names out there, but these people have big congregations. Oh, oh, they do, and that's how they control. Let me tell you what, what and, and this is something that, that, and I get in trouble with this in the church community because I must speak truth to power regardless of who it is. But this is what they, this is what is done in churches. What, what is done in churches a lot of times is the pastor will give the congregation little tidbits. They give them sound bites. They give them little tidbits of the word. Fill them up with condemnation. Make them feel horrible. So now people don't come to church because they love God. People are coming to church because they are afraid of God. And and if they don't wow, come to church, they're going to go to hell. 
And so you you now you now you you know now you giving your tithes and your offering out of fear instead of admiration. So what I did at the beginning of 2017, I told the church, I don't want anybody else in here to give tithe for the rest of the year under obligation. I am suspending the tithe. There is no need to pay tithe. If you pay tithe, it is because you love God and you want to do it, not because like you that. feel I like obligated that. I like to do that. it. I, I, I like that. I like and that. People, and people got upset. The churches, I mean, pastors got upset. You are heretic, and, and you ain't God. Who are you to suspend the tithe? Well, I can suspend the tithe because as the pastor, I move by not just the divine will, but by the permissive will of God, which is why Paul said certain things in the scriptures where he told women not to wear gold, jewels, costly array, or braided hair. That wasn't the divine will of God. That was the permissive will of God. Paul had permission as the leader of that congregation to establish mandate and law that would bring order to that house. And so when I suspended the tithe, the people who were not giving out of their heart, but they were giving from obligation and out of fear, they stopped giving. But the ones who really wanted to give, they kept on giving, and some of them, their giving increased. Why? Because it was no longer I'm obligated, but now I'm obliged to do it. It's, I, just, I love doing it. You know? I, and so, but what churches do is many people sitting in churches, that's why you have churches with 15, 20, 30,000, 50,000 people show up on a Sunday, and out of that 50,000 people, only 100 of them are doing anything in the community. You know, it's, it's because they've been taught that you can't function outside of this environment, and if you don't do this, it's another form of slavery. And as a pastor and as a bishop in the Lord's church, I... They will try to defrock me from what for what I'm saying, but I'm telling you, it's a form of mental slavery. But the scripture says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. That's why Paul said, Paul said, listen, Paul said, the Bible says this, the Bible said, do whatever your heart is content to do. If it looks good and feels good to you, do it. He said, live out your youthful vigor. This is what the scripture says now. He said, but know this, not everything goes and you will give an account. Paul said this. Paul said, all things to me are lawful but not expedient. In other words, there is nothing that I can't do because I'm free in Christ. So, so all things are now lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. All things are not beneficial to me, although they are lawful to me. We don't preach that in the church because then people begin to have a they begin to take off that that brainwashed mind. You got people who sit in churches and they, they get in the bathroom and they put that one finger up and they tiptoe out out to the bathroom, not realizing that that's a slave tactic. That's what the hey, slave. You know what? You know what? I was actually going to let yeah. you say that the whole you changing this. You're changing. And you're the first pastor. You're the first person. I mean, uh, the bishop. I'm sorry. You know, I don't want to call you what you're not. Oh no, you're fine. You're fine. Okay. Um, you you going so far? You you changing? You got somebody turning over in their grave right now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They're furious because this was this was the, the way they're doing it now. And I I mean I talked to my mom. My mom is going to be 71 years old, and I just can't tell her what I know now. Because a lot of things wasn't out. A lot of things wasn't out back in them days. They wasn't allowed to even read that far. But now oh, yeah. you got all this technology and people pulling up stuff, and it's kind of like 
This is what they did back in slavery, how they picked certain pastors out the slave trade to be leaders over the people, to start mm. the churches. And by you saying what you're saying, you don't even understand. I don't even understand. I don't even know if you even understand what you're really saying now. Because there's a lot of people would love to hear what you're saying. Because I never heard of that somebody suspended ties. I never heard of oh, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Suspended. You know told them, that, don't pay that, them. That's, that's like giving a person becoming their own empowerment in church to really and trust God first. And you that's what, what I mean? they should do. That's what, that's what people should do. If you look at the scriptures, if you look at the scriptures, Paul said, Paul said, give as the Lord has prospered you. He, and the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. He, 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 he loves it when you're excited about giving, not when you, when you got to get up and give and you got an attitude when you're giving it. So, but right. that's because, you know, that's because we have people to the, where they have become enslaved. Christ died to set them free, and the pastors rose to put them back in slavery. And that is a problem in the church. Especially, wow, that this. is so deep, man. I mean, especially I'm really loving the, Especially in the African-American church. Now, you go to Caucasian churches, you don't see that bondage. And I'm going to tell you why. It's a mindset. It is a mindset. Caucasian churches, go to a Caucasian church one Sunday and then go to an African-American church. The message, the vibe, the flow is completely different. In a Caucasian church, a lot of times there is more flow, there's a more flow, there's a more free flow. The Spirit of God flows more freely. They get up and their worship is different. It's not based on emotion. They get up and they worship and they cry out. And I mean, African-Americans do the same thing. But, when, but you listen to the messaging that is preached. Many of our churches preach that if you don't do it this way, God going to get you. And God, that's why you're going through what you're going through, because God is whipping your tail. But you go over to the to the Caucasian church, and it's more of a church of, you know, no matter what you're going educated, through, God educated, still loves you. Educated, yeah. yeah educated, you know educated, why? God. You know why? Because how we perceive God is how we were, we, we perceive God based on our culture. So in our culture, when you do something wrong, you get a whipping, you get a beating, you get punished, you're sent to the corner, your, your allowance is taken away, you start losing stuff, you're, you're, you're grounded, all this other stuff, it gets really bad, you know. And so we perceive God to be the same way because in our minds, if, I'm, if, if things are happening bad in my life, it must be because I did something wrong because when I was a kid and I did something wrong, I got a whipping. Things went bad for me. But Caucasians, who didn't get their tails whipped every other day and every day and every two times a day like some of us did, they, they don't see God in that way. So they see God as a God of love and a free-flowing God. So when they go through, they don't blame God. They blame the devil. They say, oh, the devil did it, and God is still wonderful, and he's still magnificent. Black African-Americans say the same stuff, but when they leave the sanctuary, as a pastor, I can say this. When they leave the sanctuary, they're so broken down and wounded. They smile, and they have the fake smile on, and, and then they get home, and two hours later, you're sitting at the table eating dinner, and people from the church are calling you, saying that was a good message today, but I'm going through so much stuff. But you didn't just hear what I said for 45 minutes to an hour across the pulpit. It's a different mindset. Slavery. Race, the church is racist. You can't get a lot of times African-American churches to fellowship with white churches and vice versa. The church has become one of the most 
segregated places. Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings are the most segregated times in this country because wow. we all and go you know to what? our different. And, that, and you know what, man, and, and, and that's why I think the Brown Party come in at, man. Seriously, man, yeah, I really support that because it's going to be able to bring a whole different something to the galaxy, man. Like I say, this is T25CL.com, Galaxy Talk Radio. This is Content Politics. This is Lorenzo Elvis Murphy. Man, we've been going on for two hours, which I know we're going to talk a couple more minutes because I just can't hit the brakes on this like this because we're into the realm of really some real topics. Of I love what you're talking about as far as uh, how real church is supposed to be because I always, me personally, always had something against that because I've been, like I said, I've been in Jim Jones Church. I was actually at Jim Jones Church as a kid. I seen that whole thing go down. So you can imagine the effect that had on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lost an auntie in that. You know what I mean? She, you know, I mean, it was women that thought that at the time that they can climb through barred doors saying Jim Jones, Jim Jones, Jim Jones, you know, God forgive me. You know what I'm saying? But at the wow. same time, I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen the fakeness in this guy. I've seen him bring in 30 people. One had a broken leg in a wheelchair. One was blind. One, I mean, this dude, man, had the biggest acts i ever seen in television as a kid. I was wondering as a kid when I saw this stuff. I've seen him cutting cast off people's arms and they can move their arms. I've seen him cut cast off people's legs and they can walk. You know what I'm saying? And there was a number of people in the crowd, like, from 50 years old to 100. He knew the target. He knew the age. Yeah. He knew the people. Oh, yeah. He knew. You know what I'm saying? So that kind of distorted me from, you know, I didn't went to church after that, but still, I mean, even when you went to certain church, like I said, I went to Reverend Ike Church in the 60s. I mean, that dude was a cold pimp. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and we have to be careful, and I be careful about, and I listen to words what people say. Like, what you speaking tonight, I articulate everything you say. I can sit back and analyze and talk to my mate and, and, and say, look, you know, I can remember this guy said that. But a lot of preachers that preach, you can't remember what they say because they're saying 20 major words to make you feel bad. Like you said you said the magic word. They are trained to say certain words to you to make you feel bad. Mm-hmm. They can come and say 20 words, or you got a bad bill, uh, 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 somebody's sick in your family. So they know the words. I'm just, I, I'm not being real, just talking politics. They know the words to say to you because of black people's distress and poverty. Like you said, that's, that was so unique what you said. You said most people feel threatened and they scared and they think God going to punish them and all that. That's real. A lot of most people I've talked to that I got to pay my tithes. It's like they so demanding. They got to, if they don't get their check, they're going to go crazy because they can't pay their tithes. Instead of them to worry about paying their bill. You know, and then you do have to pay your tithes, but tithes come in all different forms, shapes, and sizes. That they do. You can, you can feed the animals. You can water a plant. You can feed a homeless person. Because I don't have money all the time. Even when I go to church, I don't have money all the time. And when I sit there and I'll be like, you know what? I ain't got no money, but what could I do for the church today? You know, I won't even want to volunteer my services. Let the usher sit down. Let me be the usher. Let me take that ten thing and pass it around. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But but churches don't do that because if you're not a member, you're not a member. You're just a visitor. 
So, yeah. like I said, I think the Brown Party can change a lot of dynamics and what's going on out here. Uh, I want to connect you. I actually did talk to my first-time home buyers program, and I did tell them about the Brown Party. They do want to connect off the record of what we do because you can't mix the oh. 501c3 with that. So, like I said, I have a lot of different organizations that, man, we really want to support on what you're doing with the Brown Party, man. I mean, that's perfect. I want to bring along my proclamation that I have that's going to go along right along with that because we need to have a month out the year to celebrate the Brown Party so we can do things for every community across the nation through the Brown Party, regardless if we win an election or not. I feel the Brown Party would be a great mechanism in a society no matter if an election person get voted in or not. We can elect our own president mm-hmm. to start our own movement in our own country of America to be recognized to where America will have to come to us because everybody is leaving the American way. Yeah, I agree. You feel what I I'm saying? Agree. And we have the power to do it. Many people don't realize that, but the, the power is there to do it. You know, that's why states can ratify the Constitution. States can break away from the Union. You know, there was a time where Texas and them were thinking of, of leaving the, the Union called the United States. So they can break away. I mean, there are things that can be done, but we have knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. When you have that knowledge, the Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because they don't. And that word knowledge is no ledge. You know, it, when people don't have knowledge, they go over the ledge. But when you have knowledge, there's no ledge. There's nothing. There's there's nothing you can't do when you ha- when you equipped and empowered with the right knowledge and information. And that's really all the Brown Party is there to do. As I said, we, you know, we don't have any any major uh, national candidates. You have myself, who's the current only candidate running on the Brown Party ticket. Um, but. As we grow, and this is something that I really want to stress when it comes to the Brown Party, we have to support things that support us and that build us up. It is so hard sometimes for us to come together and to support one another. You know, but support this movement. This is not just a political party. The Brown Party is a movement, and it is moving. We are building traction. So we need people to go to the Brown Party website, uh, www.brownpartyofamerica.org and and right there on the front page you'll see where it says put your email address and your phone number put that in and submit it and when we get it we're going to send you information about the Brown Party get you connected with the Brown Party if there's no party in your area then we can help you to start a Brown Party chapter in your local area it, you don't need money to do it um, you just got to have a heart and be willing to do the footwork you know, and 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 we and support Brown Party candidates like myself. You know, because campaigning is not is not free and it ain't cheap. It costs money to get those yard signs and and to get the the to get the mailers done and to to get to all of these different events. You got to go to all of these events and a lot of them cost money to get to. You know, and campaigning puts a strain on you. So you need people. I need people to to to, to donate and to. Uh, I'm going to put the link if you allow me to up on your up on your Facebook. Go ahead. Page no man, listen, can, um, listen, listen, listen to this, man. I'm the Brown Party too. Me as you, stuff. you as me, we as brothers, heart to heart, because we have to start planting seeds in each other, man. Yeah, 
I just start sharing my blessings with you. You have to share your blessings with me. A lot of people don't want to share their blessings when they get them. They don't want to tell nobody. If they want, I'm going to keep it this a secret. I don't want nobody to know. They go, no, bro, bless me with your blessing. Are you there? Hello? Yeah, I was my phone cut off. Been on my phone so damn long that uh, I see my other guest is on. Hey, you still online, brother? Yo, yo, can you hear me? Can you hear me? You're in the line. But like I said, it's constant politics. I'm back. I'm still here. I hope my buddy called back in. This is a a hot show. I'm gonna get in contact with him. Let me see. Uh, I know I'm having to call back. I just sent him a message. So, uh, like I was liking this show, man. This comes from Policy Instruments with Elvis Murphy. We hit some major, major subjects. Been on this line for two hours. And, uh, Man, I'm loving this. So, uh, you'll be able to listen to this show in about another hour after. I'm waiting for my guests to call in because, um, I don't know. I don't know what happened. At the same time, I see there's a guest on there. Uh, you want to speak, guys?
I'm down with that movement. Seriously, my brother. Seriously, man. And I've been trying it. to get a lot of people out here even in California to pass my proclamation, but nobody's really listening to me. So I don't need to go ahead and make it on a national level. Yeah. I mean, I can be patient and wait until you get into office. It's no problem if we have to wait for that. It's all about planting the seed, seeing something grow first. You know what I mean? Instead of just trying to jump into it and think we have to answer, which we don't have to answer until we get to certain positions. We have to get ourselves in position to get in control. In order to get in control, we have to understand what's going on. In order to understand what's going on, we have to be a, a, new, a student all over again, even though we are leaders. You know what I'm saying? And, that, and that's just what level I'm going to now in my life, in my second life. So yeah, um, if you can explain to the people why it's important to really stay focused on a main thing far as religion, um, economics, homelessness, um, mental health, um, police and community relations, um, community development. Why is that so important about, it's like having a five senses of smell, touch, hear, see, and, 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 and feel. It's like those five senses we have. Why is it also that important for us to use all those things as far as our community? Can you tell me that? It's important because you, as with church, you want to, to be effective, you have to minister not just to the spiritual man, you have to minister to the whole man. You know, the scripture talks about, you know, if someone says they're hungry and you say, I'm going to pray for you, that didn't, that didn't, they're still going to, you're going to pray for them, but they're still going to be hungry. Because you didn't minister to the whole man. You didn't minister to the whole thing. We have to, we have, and the word minister means servant. To minister is to serve. Um, and so, when we minister, when we serve, we can't serve just one demographic of the community. We have to serve the whole community because it's no longer the way it used to be where you had the African-Americans here and the white people were over here and the Chinese people were here and the Japanese were over there and, and the Jewish people were over here. No, 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 no. Our communities have become intertwined now. So you have to minister and serve the whole community, the faith community. You're homeless. They're people too. I sat with the brother, uh, uh, four brothers the other day that were homeless, and to hear them speak about how they really just want to get up on their feet, and but but the city is trying to push them out. They they feel like they're not wanted here, and and the city gives them tents to sleep in, but then tells them that they can't put the tents up anywhere. And so every year they have less and less places to sleep in. You see young girls, 15 years old, living under the bridge with a five-year-old child in the middle of the winter, and the baby has an ear infection. You can't you you. How, how can we call it from the standpoint of a believer? How can I call myself a believer in God, but yet shut up my bowels of compassion? And my bowels of compassion do not extend only to those who worship like me and who look like me. But I have to minister to the whole community. And it is important that we focus on all of those different areas because they all affect us too. 
Homelessness, even though I'm not homeless now, I've been homeless before, and homelessness now affects me because when you have people who are homeless that can't find jobs and they can't get income, they're hungry, they start to commit crimes to get what it is that they need. That crime affects the, the crime rate in my city. When it affects the crime rate in my city, my property value uh, uh, uh drops and and the poverty level increases and 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 home ownership declines and nobody wants to come to a city that's all broken down and and riddled with crime so everything is affecting you oftentimes what we do is we don't want to address anything because it's down the block like you said earlier oh that ain't my grandchild i'm so glad that ain't my grandchild you know and we don't say anything until it's sitting at your front door when you could have dealt with it while it was down the block but you let it get on your step. And the danger with allowing things on your front step is that they eventually wiggle their way in and you find them sitting on your couch because you didn't stop them. You didn't intervene. You felt you didn't have a voice. You couldn't say anything. No, no, no. You have a voice. We are speaking spirits. We have the power to speak it. We have to use our mouth. We have to, and that's why when this year came in, one of the first things that I said um to the people was to use your church voice. That's a campaign that we have going on now. Use your church voice. Open your mouth and use your church voice. Your church voice is not cre- was not created so that you can shout in the sanctuary. It was created so that you can speak against injustice, so that you can speak against poverty and racism and prejudice and bigotry and all of these things, that you can open your mouth and speak against black-on-black crime and black-on-white crime and white-on-black crime and white-on-white crime. You, you have to speak against all of this stuff. And until we understand the power that that piece of muscle between our teeth holds, we will continue to speak and call ourselves powerless. But we, in fact, are not powerless. We are filled with power. And as long as we use our mouth, we will remain powerful. And so it's very important that we that we do those things, that we speak truth to power, because the system is designed to keep you quiet. Because until you say something, they ain't going to say nothing and change nothing. We got a system here in Fayetteville, the red light system. They put these cameras in that flash every time you run through the red light. They put them in about two years ago. Fayetteville has a high poverty rate. But they started the fine off at $100. So if you go through the red light and it flashes you, they send you a $100 fine. If you don't pay the fine within the first 30 days, it doubles to $200. People can't afford to pay the $100. So now in 30 days, now you have to pay a $200 fine. And then someone that's will be elected. Yeah, yeah, that's the late fee. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then if you, if you don't pay the $200, they revoke your license. So someone went to one of the elected officials and complained about the fact that they, these, these fines were too steep. The elected official said, oh, we, we didn't know that it, it doubled to 100 How did you not know when you voted on it? You voted on it. It had to pass legislation to go into effect. So the, as long as nobody was saying nothing, they figured, let them keep, you know, you got over 14,000 tickets written at 100 to $200 a pop. And in a city where people are living off of $115, $150 a week in income, but you, you, you give them a ticket that, that takes an entire week's worth of pay and then doubles. So you so that really go down or down there? Yeah, that's what's going on here in Fayetteville right now. They, have the, they put these red light cameras all over the place, 
and you run through that red light, and here's the thing. The red light will flash you today. You won't get the ticket in the mail until two, three weeks later. So now you only got about a week or two to pay the fine. You don't have the money to do it, so it's going to now double. Now you got to pay $200. That's going on in Fayetteville, and they do it. Because the people don't open their mouth and say anything. But when that young man walked up to that elected official and said, hold on, hold on, sir, why are you charging me this? The elected official had to respond, and he responded with a lie. But he had to respond, and then you know what happened? The media got involved in it. See, we got to understand that we have the power, too. And when we open our mouth and use our voice, people will listen. They will listen. One thing, excuse me, one thing that I will say Black Lives Matter and these other movements have done is they have brought attention to our communities like never before. And now when something happens in the African-American or minority or, or, or community of color, the media does respond. They may not run the story as long as they run other stories, but they will respond. And, and then you've got to stay on them. And when you constantly stay on them and bombard them constantly, and when you have more than one person doing the talking, when you have more than one person showing up to the rally, when you got more than one person calling the news, when you got more than one person showing up at the city council meeting, showing up at the town meeting, showing up at the county meetings, showing up at the senatorial meetings, people don't know that these hearings that you see on, the, on Capitol Hill, they're, they're open to the public. You can go to these hearings. You can go to these hearings. They, you, you can walk into your senator or your congressman's office without an appointment and say, listen, something got to change. You work for me. But we don't use our voice, and so thereby we deem ourselves to be powerless when, in fact, we have more power and they have less. But so why, How can we change the diversity of that? How can we educate people and let them know they have the power? Because a lot of people, you got to understand, America – is based on 85% leaders, no, 85% followers and 15% leaders. How can you change the dynamics of the 15% leaders to the 85% followers to become leaders and the 15% of the followers? You have to empower people. One thing that I that I, I do, I have this thing where I travel. It's called the Purpose Series. I, I do a thing called Purposeology, and I travel to different places around the country teaching on purpose, teaching young men and young women, old women and old men how to identify your purpose. See, when you realize that you have a purpose, you move on purpose, in purpose, and with purpose. A lot of times the reason the paradigm isn't shifting is because people don't feel that they're relevant in that space. But when you start to identify who you are, you start to identify your purpose when you, when you have to be educated. We need to educate the people in our communities. You know, put things together. Educate. Even if you only affect five people, that's five people that will affect somebody else. One thing I said uh, to a bunch of pastors before is the problem with the church is we are good at being effective and effective but we are horrible at being infective. The church mm -hmm. has to become infective. We have to this become infective. So, so you're actually yeah. saying that you, the churches have to come in, out of the church into the community. Is that what you're saying? Out of or the what church. Do you mean? And, and that's what we did, believe it or not. That's what we did. We had a beautiful sanctuary. I mean, we had almost 9,000 square feet of sanctuary, big old sanctuary and classrooms and had a cafe in there and had a whole big a whole nother fellowship hall and I mean we had we, we were we were doing good. But you know what we did? 
we closed the church, and we took church to the streets, and we went out into the community, and we started having church where the homeless people lived at, and where they, and we would feed them and have service with them. We set up services at the libraries, and we would go into the libraries and invite people in and teach them and 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 empower people. We took the, people are not going to churches like they used to. Actually, there was a great exodus going on from the church. Now pastors are fighting with every bit of strength they have to keep their congregation. That's why they keep changing stuff. They change the lighting and the background. They turn the lights down and get the lights that flash and change colors. I've been there. I did that. But that's not what's changing communities. That's good for the worship experience. But what about when they leave the sanctuary? What about when they leave and go back into the community and they face that same struggle all over again? And what you said during service was going to happen, they, it has not manifested to them. They still don't have a job. They still can't pay the bills. They, 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 the system is whipping their tails. You have to empower people. And to empower people, you have to go to the people. Jesus did this. Jesus did not wait for the people to come to him. He went to the people. He, When the young man came to Jesus and said, wherever you go, I'll follow you. Jesus said, okay, that's fine, but let me tell you this. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man have not a place to rest his head. In other words, right, if you're going right, to follow right. me, if you're going to follow me, don't look for the fancy sanctuary. Don't look for the fancy building. The, the, the message Bible translation says, if you want to follow me, you got to be prepared to rough it. You got to be prepared to get your hands dirty. You got to be prepared to go out into the highways and the hedges and the byways and to get out there where the people are and get your hands dirty. You know, when, when I have a photo on my Facebook page of me out in the community praying with a group of homeless men. That was the mo that was one of the most amazing experiences of my life to be able to just stand there and pray with them and minister to them and listen to them and hear them and i gave I gave them my number, and one of the brothers contacts me all the time and he says man i he said whenever you're doing something for the homeless, I want to help you know I want to get involved, I want to go to the city council meetings I, that's how you empower people. you empower them through what you do. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And people's perception of you is going to determine their reception of you and how they perceive you is how they will receive you. So when you go, when you want to empower people, we have to begin to speak life into people and not just speak it, but demonstrate it. That's the right, key. Show them. It's about showing the show, about that's it. You're planting the seed in them too. You know, a lot of people yeah. don't, like I said before, people don't want to share their blessings. You know what they I'm don't. saying? Nobody want to share. They want to get their blessings and think it's just all for them. Mm -hmm. And that's not. That's yeah. not how life goes. You know, yeah. um, when you change from world to world, it, it, you learn these type of things. You learn these type of things to know how to adapt to change. A lot of people are not ready for change. A lot of people don't want to change with change. A lot of people just want to just stay the same and this the same old thing. You know what I mean? Um I can see that, and man, we've been on this line almost almost two and a half hours. And uh, what is it that you can tell society about how they can change? You know, how can you change? I mean, if you've been so caught up in just this one way of life, what is it that so dynamic can help you change to another level? Change doesn't happen, and I've said this to people for so many years. Change doesn't happen until you change. 
Change will never happen until you make up in your mind to change. I teach a, a, a series um, called Maximizing for Greatness. And I travel, and I, this is one of the things that I teach when I travel, Maximizing for Greatness. And one of the key points, there are about 27 points in that series that I touch on when I teach it. One of the key points is change your mind and you change your destiny. If you change the way you think, if you change your mindset, you will change the outcome of you will change your destiny and your destination. You will change it. It's a mindset. So we have to get into the mind. That's why the scripture says don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind has to be transformed. The battle is in your mind. And so um, uh, in Vogue had a song years ago that said free your mind and the rest will follow. Be colorblind, don't be so shallow. And so they they were on to something way back then that if you free your mind, if you get that mind right, if, if we can empower people mentally to understand what change looks like. See, that's the problem. A lot of people want to change, but they really don't know what change looks like. And when you don't know what change looks like, it's hard to identify when things have changed because you don't know what you're looking for when you're looking for change. And so in in that aspect you have to um you have to really 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 come to the place where you you're desiring change because you'll never change until you want to change and change right. never happens until you change so you got to you got to desire change you got to be a part of change. You got to have a hunger and a thirst for change, and that's where empowering people comes in. Because when you start to empower people, and you start to let them know that there's more to them than what they see and what they've been experiencing, when you start to tap into the core of who they are and tap into their purpose, that core purpose in their life, when you tap into that, they now have a hunger and a thirst to change. They want change. They desire change. They crave change. The norm is no longer comfortable anymore. They will seek out change. But now they have to understand what change looks like. And when they know what change looks like, they know they can identify and, and, and they can they can they can uh uh monitor their levels of change in the areas where they need change in. As long as I didn't think I needed to change, I stayed the way I was. I don't care who told me I needed to change. Unless you can show me how I need to change, I don't need to change. I'm good the way I am. But when when I was able to when someone showed me who I was and showed me through the word of God that there was greater in me than what was in the world. It 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 forced me to want to change. I couldn't I wasn't comfortable being the same anymore. Just couldn't do it. And but so that was that's, me, man, you know, like I said back in my story, I went I, I volunteered to go back to prison just to change the dynamics of my life because mm-hmm. I was convicted up under another name when my as me being a uh, as they say a gangster, as a criminal, as a drug dealer. I use another uh, alias. And when mm-hmm. I use my other alias uh, the dynamics of that name, I used my mother's father's last name, and I used my fu- my cousin's first name, and it was Dale Early. So when I got convicted up under my crime, I got convicted up under a clean name. So all the time I was dead my time, I got busted. I wasn't Lorenzo Murphy up under my drug life, my drug dealing life. I was another person. So when I got out of prison, remember, I was still Dale Early. I was fighting against spirits, demons, because I was there early. Dale Early was a monster. Dale Early was a beast. 
So I got to the point in my life to where I don't want to be there early no more. So what I had to do is I had to volunteer to go back to prison to get Lorenzo Murphy back. If I never, ever took an analogy to say I want to go back to prison to take, get my name back from Dale Early, from being a criminal in a gangster world, in the drug world, to going back to prison, to volunteering, because if, if I went back to prison, that means I get my name back. So I, mm-hmm. I, I committed certain crimes to go back to prison to get Lorenzo Murphy back, and this is why I am who I am today. I sacrificed freedom for myself, self-imprisonment. Wow. Because I was there early, somebody I wasn't. So I volunteered, and I went back to prison. I did six, and I knocked off 10 years parole. But when I walked out of that prison, I was Lorenzo Murphy. I was Lorenzo Darnell Murphy again. Mm. And, that, and, that, and that whole transformation of my Manafort to change it from there early of being this gangster, new name, doing all these things to walking out of prison, kissing the ground, being happy that I've got my own spirit soul back, it changed my life. And that's why I do the things I do today. A lot of people don't understand what I've been through to change the mentality of my mind, body, and soul. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. I'm perfect. I'm still, I'm still who I am, but I just have the right tools to function in life now. And yeah. that's why a lot of people were able to change because they received the right tools in life to function. So that put me in a position to where I can do more, be more aware of the choices I make in my life for the bettering of my life, not only for myself, for the people around me. And then I have to realize that the people around me have to be articulate people. They couldn't be the same type of people that was in my life in my past life because of our choose back in that world that when I was there early, I would have made a lot of bad choices. But once I became Lorenzo Murphy, I started making more positive choices because I became back myself as an individual. You know what I'm saying? And it's like a lot of people out there in society is actually going through the same thing, and they've never been to prison. So yeah. basically what's important is for people is understand who they are, where they come from, and what's the vision of where they need to go. Yeah. And at the exactly. same time, you have to have the, the the help. You cannot do I can never do this by myself of changing who I am. Mm-hmm. Um this is like I say, this is content politics, this is T two five C O dot com, this is Galaxy Talk Radio. But that's who gave me my opportunity on who I am today. T25, I never knew I was a radio talk host. Never, ever can vision, can see. I never knew that until somebody saw something else in me and said, hey, man, you know, we got the spot for you. So a lot of people miss their calling. Now, just think, if I would have been like, no, I don't want to be that. I don't want to do that. I'm on my 169th show tonight. Wow. So we're at the beginning I never thought I was a radio talk host. Mm-hmm. No matter what type of shows I had, no matter who I had on my radio show, no matter any of that. What was important is I believed in what somebody believed in me. And what I'm saying is, what I'm trying to say is, 
for a human being and, and people to believe in me on a factor that they saw something in me, they let me know that God do exist. Because God sent those type of people in my life to give me an opportunity. Sometimes God is not the one that's going to show up. God's going to come up and show up in different formats and shapes and sizes and different elements. Yeah. It might be a piece of paper that land on you, but with a note. And that yeah. note, that, that paper, piece of paper that land in front of you might have some type of message. And it just was a piece of paper that just floating in the air. So many things that is just remarkable that goes on in life that can change your life. But you have to be smart enough to catch that action of movement that God sent to you. Sometimes it might be a bee. It might be a, 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 a butterfly. It might be a homeless person that you walk by that asks you for a dollar. We cannot never underestimate how God sent messages to you. So I'm here to say that you have to be proactive in life. You have to be open in life. Mm -hmm. You have to be ready for the unknown because a lot of places you walk through and you walk through the door, you don't know what's behind that door. It's like the opportunity I had today. I had two opportunities. I went and, you know, I joined this one company that's, you know, Pure Hearts are us. They do personal home buyers. But when I went to that meeting, I learned something else besides just me seeing about real estate. Even oh. like a situation tonight where uh, I was waiting on my other guests to call in, but they didn't ever call in. But you called in. It's yeah. blessing after blessing. It's like God has your life already set for you. If you knew the plan, you would go out and do it off the top. But you don't know what the plan that God has for you you have to just take the steps to go forward. Now, just think if the guy didn't call in and I didn't call you just on the on the slide and say, look, man, I want you to call in because I got somebody calling. Now, just think if I didn't, if God did not give me that message to call you to say, and look, and this interview is just as long as, it, man, this interview has been three hours. Man, we've been on a radio for almost two, almost three hours. You feel what I'm saying? And the, now, yeah. and the, and the original guest didn't even call in. Yeah. So God already has things already, our life already written down. So I, I, I'm here to tell the people, and I'm not, you know, I'm not really talking about on a religious level or any, I'm talking about on a real life experience level. God has your life already written down. That he does. Don't go against anything. I'm talking about from death to poverty to health to being hungry to to whatever goes on in your life that you don't have control over, it looks like it's a tragedy, God written that down for you to go through in life to find out who you are so you can go to the next level. I am 52 years old, and I can say I am 10 toes down out the community, out the hood, as far as streets. 10 toes down. I'm standing on national broadcast. I am 10 toes down out the community. As far as running in the streets, I can't do it no more. I can't take a chance. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to talk about it because it's irrelevant to me. What's, what's more important to me now is what goes on in change in people, society, and, and, and just more things is more important than 
how somebody can help me out or in the streets. So I'm not hating on what goes on. I'm not hating what people's choices are. But I want to live different as an individual, and I would rather tell the world this because I want people to see if I can change, anybody else can change. Everybody have their own story. Everybody have their own history. And as we learn, and, and, and as we keep sticking together as all people of color, we can make a change. But as long as we separate each other and let America separate us, Latin American, Black American, Chinese American, they keep separating us. We are Americans. Like like the dude on the on on my radio show right now, what he's saying, he's saying, "Man, I'm not black. I'm brown. I'm a brown brother. I'm brown skinned." It. And white people are not white. They ain't not even white like white paper. I mean, this it's crazy. It's what they put in our heads. It's what they had planted for years and years. And we go for the okie doke. We go for the propaganda. We don't for that anymore. Yeah, exactly. What's going on? Exactly. For the Trump party. And uh, I just want to thank my guests for calling in. We've been on a radio show for almost three hours now. Um. You can tune in later. I'm actually going to broadcast this show later in about an hour. Man, this thing been going on so long. My teeth, my phone's cutting off. The video cutting <laughs> off. I really don't do no FaceTime, but I had to go FaceTime. I've been on my radio show for so long, and I just wish that more people would call in to T25CL.com, Galaxy Talk Radio, because we have shows every night at 7.30. And it's educational shows just like my show, Content Politics. So if all y'all people that's out there that's hearing me, that's going to hear me, that see me, I'm on FaceTime right now. I, I mean, I'm on Facebook Live right now, and I just had to do it. I couldn't help because this brother is just spitting some real knowledge tonight. We've been on the radio show for three hours almost. And I just hope that the people that's looking at me on this Facebook Live, when I put my radio show up tonight, please, please listen to it. Because it is so well educational. I'm on my 169th show tonight. And you know how hard it is to keep consistency in South Central. It's hard because it's hard out here. But I've been able to be consistent for 169 shows on T25CL.com, Galaxy Talk Radio. And I just want to appreciate everybody for believing in my show. My guest, man, I don't know where you came from, my brother. But uh, we're going to do a lot of uh, work in these communities across the nation and across the world. And I appreciate you. If there any last words you want to say, how can people get in contact with you? Uh, I have people on Facebook Live right now. If you can explain how they can get in, in, in touch with the Brown Party, political party, where it empowered just us, all of us. Would you, how you said, you go ahead and um, speak on what you want to say. These are your last words. I'm going to go ahead and shut the show down. But I have a lot of people that's actually looking on Facebook Live, and I know they can hear you because I got the phone connected, you know, close to the phone. Um, just go ahead and say your little last words, however long you want to say. But, you know, this, now you're educating a whole crowd of people. Uh, I just want to first just thank you for the opportunity again to come on and to speak with you and, and those who listen to your broadcast, and congratulations on 169 shows. Uh, that that is an amazing, amazing accomplishment, and I, I wish you uh, great success, and I pray for continued success, and that you have uh, 
an unnumberable amount of shows to come. To the people that are listening, um, the Brown Party, you can you can reach the Brown Party. You can find out more about the Brown Party on Facebook if you go to Brown Party of America um, on Facebook. Type it in. I'm actually going to uh, post it on your Facebook page now. Um, okay. And you can actually click on it, um, and it'll take them right to uh, the Brown Party uh, of America's Facebook page. Um, you can also go to our um, website, which is www.brownpartyofamerica.org, and you can find that information there. One of the things that we definitely need is we need people to sign up to become a part of the Brown Party of America. You can find that information about Brown Party on our website. Um we need people to donate to the Brown Party of America. And one thing that I need personally is for people to support. As many of you know, I'm running for Fayetteville City Council in Fayetteville, North Carolina, District 8. Um, and definitely need financial support. So I'm going to be posting a link on your website, on your Facebook page, uh, to our PayPal for the uh, campaign. And people are asking everyone to give, you know, no amount is too small. We actually never want to give because there's definitely supplies and things that we need for the campaign that require finances. We're going all the way to the general election in November uh, November 7th, so we need all the financial support we can get uh, to be able to uh, push this campaign forward. This campaign has moved from being a local campaign to a national and international movement, so we need all the support we can get. And just as, you know, just again, thank you for all that you do and what you're doing for the community there in South Central. Um, it, it's it's amazing how East Coast and West Coast have come together, you know, and, and all the places that are in between will be impacted by what it is that we're doing on, on these two coastlines. So thank you. Thank you for those of your listeners that have tuned in. I know we've been on here for quite some time, but it's been amazing. It's been awesome. It's been informative. Uh, it's been encouraging. And again, Thank you all. No problem, man. Like I say, in about another hour, um, I'm going to post this up on Facebook, man. I'm talking about this is one of the most profound interviews I have done over the last three years. I mean, there's so much information tonight, and it's an honor to have this brother online with us. Uh, He's running for the 8th District up in Georgia. Uh, He's the second African-American who's running for office up in this city. Uh, we talked about what went on in Virginia. I mean, you it's a must hear and listen to radio show tonight, okay? Uh, it's going to help us empower ourselves because what we need as people is an empowered people of all color. But at the same time, what we talked about tonight is how to get ourselves the license to operate, to empower ourselves for our next generations to come. We are here to be the sacrifice of our next generation that they won't have to go through what they, we're going through. We have to step up. We're the ones in the middle. I'm 52. We have elders that's not want to mess with the youth. We have the youth that don't want to mess with the elders. But I feel the ones that in our middle age group, it's our responsibility to bring 
the old with the young and the young with the old and make it the pro school. The old school with the young school and make it the pro school. We have to re-educate our minds. We have to re-educate our hearts and our bodies and our souls. I was speaking earlier about, you know, being in that box and climbing out the box. I think we need to stay in that box and stay together. The reason why I say that because once we come out that box, we get into individual situations where we get selfish, we get greedy in our heart, and we forget to come back. Mm. And that happens all the time, and y'all know what I'm talking about. It's so many people that's out there that's already successful, that has money, that has great ideas but will not come to the table. I want to come and give up a great idea to the whole community. So we can all come together and we can earn and we can all learn together. We have to some ways somehow break that church syndrome going on with the Christians and the Methodists and the Christian Baptists and the apostles and the, nobody's getting along. So how can we get how can we get along with each other if the churches don't want to congregate with each other? I mean, is it yeah. one year one time out the year where all the con- different congregations come together, let's give a picnic, let's give a concert, let's do like other nationalities do. They join together. You got the Buddhists and you got the, I, I just can't really just name all stuff, but it's just, I go other places and other cities and other places. People get along from different nationalities. Nobody's rating and all this. And we need to come together as a one whole. And I mean, and people of all color. Because it's not working. It's not working for the Caucasians by themselves because there's three different types of Caucasians. It's not working for the blacks because there's three different types of blacks. It really is. It's light-skinned, dark-skinned, and black. Because <laughs> we run into that. We look at the light, oh, light-skinned coming back. Oh, look at this light-skinned cat. Oh, look at that dark ass. Excuse me. I almost said <laughs> Look at that black dude. He's so black. He's so dark. Dang, he black. All we see is his teeth at night. We will say these things. We always stereotype our own self. So yeah. what I like to do, I would love everybody. Can you give your website again for at the Black Political Party? We have a political party, a brand-new party. It's called the Brown Party. I'm going to let him explain it one more time, and I'm going to cut the show off. Please really just listen to him. This is for us, by us. And we ain't yeah. talking about FUBU. We talk about empowering ourselves across the nation, along with people in an international world that believe in what goes on with people of all colors. And the reason why I'm saying people of all colors, because I believe in that. I believe in that. So can you tell the people one more time with the Brown Party from the political party, that's the same thing as it's no different than Republican Party, it's no different than Democrat Party, and really and truly, I'm going to ask you one important question. What have these parties really done for you? Now, you can empower yourself and be a part of a brown party that you can be a part of and be a part of history in life. You can be a part of the change in the actions and the motions and the thinking. Like I was speaking earlier, it's a slap in the face that Donald Trump is our president because I think somebody got mad because we had Obama for two terms. Obama at least beat out 
50 to 60 people every, for the first term, he might have about, might have beat 40 people that was running. You know, once they start from 40, then they break down to 15 people on a panel at the White House, whatever they do. He beat out at least 100 people that was running for president. So it's a slap in our face to say, well, since you had, I'm, hey, I'm going to be real. Like I said, this is a constant politics. Well, since you had a black president for two years, we can go ahead and pick who the hell we want to be president after him. And for black men to be president, we can pick anybody to be president. And that's just the way it goes. It's just the way the propaganda go. So if you can explain what the Brown Party is about far as on the political level, and I'm going to end the show because we have people listening on, face, on, on Facebook Live. Go ahead. Well, the Brown Party of America is a political party, as you said, for us, by us. And when we say that, when we say Brown, we – we're an inclusive party. We're talking about not just African Americans, but we're talking about people of color. We're talking about minorities, and of course, there are some some uh, people in white society that are considered to be minorities. So, the Brown Party of America is a party. Uh, it was created because we were tired of partisan politics. We were tired of divisive uh, part politics, and so we we decided to create a party that would really focus on the needs of of uh, minorities and people of color. What the Brown Party is not, we are not, we were not created based on race. We were, cre we were formed based on principle. We deal with different things like grassroots activism, fiscal accountability, uh, community-based economic empowerment, reduced taxes on the middle class. We are a real political party. I myself am running for political office in Fayetteville, North Carolina, uh, running for city council, and I'm running as an independent um, and running as the Brown Party candidate. And so we are a real party. We need people to register and sign up to become a member of the Brown Party. Now, in order to become a member of the Brown Party, if you're a Democrat or Republican, you do have to change uh, your party to independent or unaffiliated because that's the way the Brown Party has to be listed, and then you can write in on your um, on your voter registration Brown Party. There's a spot on there that allows you to write in which party, and you'll say Brown Party, but you'll register as an either an independent or an unaffiliated, um, because that means that you're independent or unaffiliated of the two major political parties, uh, and I believe there's actually three because the Libertarians are also one. So, But you can find out information about the Brown Party at Brown Party of America.org. That's Brown Party of America.org. You can find out about the Brown Party there. I'll also put the um, link on your uh, Facebook page, and people can go to your Facebook. Well, it's actually up there already. They can go to the Facebook page of the Brown Party. I've placed that on your Facebook page as well as the actual website uh, link. And they can learn everything they want to know about the Brown Party. Fill out that little form at the top where they ask for your phone number and your email address. We don't sell your information, but you'll, you'll show up in our database and we'll be able to send you information. If you don't have a Brown Party uh, chapter in your area, which chances are you don't, you can definitely start the chapter there. There's some things that we have you to do. It doesn't cost you any money to start a chapter. Um, and so... You can start a chapter right there in your local area and become a Brown Party of your your city or the Brown Party of your state and begin to build the momentum for the party in that area. But go to our website, brownpartyofamerica.org, and you'll be able to find all the information that you want right there on the website.
All right, all right, all right, ladies and gentlemen. Man, we've been going almost three hours a night. This is Compton Politics. This is Lorenzo Elvis Murphy. You have to go to T2, www.t25cl.com, Galaxy Talk Radio. Every Monday night at 7.30 Pacific Coast time, you have Compton Politics. Every other night, there's a show on the radio, T25CL.com, GalaxyTalkRadio.com. You know, T25CL.com. There's a radio show on every night at 7.30. Tune in. uh, Saturdays, there's a show at 10 a.m. in the morning. United We Stand with Brother Andre. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, go to T25CL.com, Galaxy Talk Radio. I'm Constant Politics on Monday, 7.30 Worldwide, this is how we do it. The technology ain't no joke, as you see, using it off the phone. I, but we're getting the message out. Then I'd rather just be real with y'all people and don't be faking like I'm behind some big old studio. It don't take that, y'all. Don't let these people lie to you about how you can get the message out. It's real simple. Mm-hmm. Figure it out. Get involved. Do something. Be a part of change. And change will change for you. No, I don't know all the answers. No counterparts know our answers. But I'm bringing a little bit of solutions for you to, for you to hear and get educated. Um, I want to thank my brother for coming out, Mr. Minor. You know what I'm saying? He's very intelligent. He came up with a lot of information. So I advise you, when I post it up on Facebook or whatever else I post it up on tonight's show, it went at least three hours, y'all. I'm not going to sit up on no phone on a radio show for no three hours, there's nothing being said. So let's support the Brown Party. Political. Let's support the Brown Political Party. Political Brown Party. Let me say it right. It's a brand new political party, but it's just us for us, and we need to empower ourselves. So what I want to do is just want to just thank everybody for listening on FaceTime. I'm going to click off of there because I'm burnt out. I'm tired. <laughs> At the same time, next week, 7.30, worldwide, T25CO.com, Galaxy Talk Radio. It's a 24-hour radio station just like Pandora. So tune in. Uh, we do. We have movies. Check out the movies, United, United We Stand. That's a great movie, a worldwide movie of change and helping out people. At the same time, um, just want to thank everybody for tuning in even on FaceTime and and on the radio show earlier. And I want to thank my guests for calling in, man, at the last minute. You don't have to do that. I know you have other things to do. You know, I enjoyed being here. Yeah. You know, Content Politics is the voice for the people. So if anybody out there see me or hear me, if you have any subjects or any matters that you want to get across and you want the world to hear you, hit me in my inbox or... If you see me in any traffic, hit me up. I'm down with it. I want to hear y'all's stories. I want to hear what you got going on. If you got businesses, you got entertainment, uh, if you got a book out, hit me up, and I can help you. If you know anybody out there that needs to get their story out there, hit me up. You know what I'm saying? I don't mind. I don't mind sharing information to the world because the world is actually going to listen to this. So I just want to go ahead and end the show um, like I usually do. And uh, I want to just thank everybody for coming in, coming in on my line. And uh, I'm just going to shut it down. Five, four, three, two, one. Compton.
politics. Yeah, I got five hours. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.